All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvel. Marvelites, welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 295. Oh boy, 295, we're here. Yeah, you got loud right there, I like it, I like it. Yeah, I can hear myself. I am Ryan Panagos, aka Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Ben Morse, Editorial Director of Digital Media here at Marvel, and we've got with us, (gasps) brand new, fresh out of the box, Andre Smith, our new intern. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they definitely did not hear you. Uh, yeah, That's nope. Okay. And uh, I was walking over here. I was like, "Did we already lose the last intern? What was the last intern's name?" These are the thoughts going through my That's head. That's nice, Nick. I just got a right. Nice, was it I, Nick? Yes, it was yes. Nick. Yes. I just actually got a nice email from Nick right before I came in here. Oh yeah, saying uh, thanks for everything. Oh, so I didn't get nothing. No, he didn't send you. Usually, the chat. interns give us cards. Yeah. Just yeah, something yeah. to keep in mind. Yeah, leather Be- wallets, beautiful watches, handri- beautiful handwritten cards. Yes, yeah. yeah. But Nick, Nick just sent you. Nick a, just sent me an email. Just an email like, "Hey yeah. pops, yeah, see ya." Yeah, and she started singing "Cats him, in the Cradle." I told, I told him we'll get lunch. Okay. Well, that's I don't know if I mean that. Yeah, probably not. No. Um, so if Empty you're just threat. listening, this is the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and chit-chat about yeah. former interns. And current interns. Current interns, all that, all what the do we, interns. What do, you, what do we think of Andre so far? You just met him. I met him once yesterday. Oh, you met him yesterday. Okay. Yep, yep. And then uh, we've met now again. Yeah, he's, so, been, he's been doing some solid work. He's well, been helping good. me out with some uh, some Spider-Man Homecoming business, mm-hmm. some Jack Kirby business. Uh-huh. He's got all sorts of exciting things going on. Very good. Yeah. Um, speaking of interns, there's a great letter at the end of this episode that I'm going to read. Oh, my God. Uh, I forgot to put it on the sheet, but it's okay. in my phone. Good. I grabbed it. Uh, it's a delight. I'm excited. I will, I will tell you that. I, I legit have no idea what you're what you're. You should because you to. got the email as well. No, but anyway, yes, you did. Do I, uh, I, I don't think I'm getting those emails. Really? Yeah, I don't that think it comes weird. to me. I don't know. I think I'm hooked up to it. All right, we'll figure that out. All right, but please. but speaking of emails, you guys can email us your questions, your comments, your love notes. <laughs> Uh, keep it safe. Keep it PG. Yep. Uh, to twim control. Twim podcast at marvel.com. Uh, let us know if it's okay to read in the email. You could also use hashtag this week in Marvel to get your questions and comments there, and we'll pull them in for a future episode. Uh, this episode we are not doing twim URC. No, we are holding the I want, climax. Yeah, the climax, the scintillating. Mm-hmm thrusting climax of executioner song yes that will be next week mm-hmm. i've already lined us up some time to talk about right. it uh it was christine and mark it was their fault they they weren't ready to go this week i want this known you and i were ready to go oh yeah we were ready to rock i tore through the last half yeah, over the weekend i don't even need to read the last half it is committed to memory <laughs> perfectly in my brain did you read uh song's end the oh the aftermath yeah. issue yeah of course did you read strife strike file yes of course okay, good. Yeah, then we're on absolutely. the same page. we're going to great. be reading all of that great we're going to be covering all of that next week we're going to have some uh, next week's going to be a super long episode will, will it what else yeah. we got 
just everything that we usually have. <laughs> All the usual goodness plus like three hours of execution or something. We should hold the end of it until 300 and then have uh, Fabian on. Yes. Uh, to talk about, yeah. about that. I won't be here. We should record with Fabian. Yeah, we should record. I, you know what? Let's pre-record. We, we're going to do what we do next week. Mm-hmm. Executioner's song is wrapping up next week. But let's pre-record something with Fabian. Save it for episode 300. So just in case I'm not here for 300, because yep. I might not be, yep. I will have a presence on the 300th episode. Okay. I will make my presence felt. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Taz followed me. Yes? Yeah. Great. So... We're hopefully close to getting Taz in. D- so, slide into his DMs. I will. I, I think We're I'm talking gonna... about Taz, the professional, former professional wrestler and now radio, radio host. superstar. Like, he's yeah, very giant. successful. He's on CBS Radio, very which successful. is very close to us. And you saw him at a local deli. I saw him deli. at Pret-a-Manger yesterday. Ooh. I was getting my coffee. Mm-hmm. He was getting – it looked like he was getting some yogurt or something. So I don't Just got to get some nice lean protein. Get some nice lean protein first thing in the morning. He went in and used the bathroom. Probably sharing too much at this point. Certainly, um, but I'm hoping to foster a relationship with him. That's great, and we will eventually bring him in to do something with us. Nice. Uh, for those of you who don't listen to every uh, episode of the Point Fives, mm. um, I do suggest you listen to this week's Point Five, which was our video game special. Yeah, um, that was from E3, where we have lots of info on Spider-Man, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Marvel coming Spider-Man. to PlayStation, PlayStation Four, 4 yeah. uh, as well as Lego Marvel Superheroes Two. Yep. And Marvel vs. Uh, Capcom, Capcom Infinite. Infinite. Uh, so we, we touch on all those. We get lots of um, lot more time than you'll see on yep. the Marvel Gaming Show or on Thwip the Big Marvel Show, just because we have more are time you, with the podcast. Are you throwing shade at your own show? Yeah. Wow. Bold. Look, look <laughs> my first love is This Week in Marvel. That's right. That will always be my baby. You guys and hear that? Yeah. We high five. We high five, and it was awesome. Um, but yes, uh, Marvel Gaming Show is uh, very exciting. Something I'm kind of overseeing. Yep. Uh, Brian Stevie, who is on our video team, is the producer for it. He did a great job. He did an excellent job. When uh, Blake Harris and I walked in today, um, or I was already here, of course. Blake Harris got here, you know, hours later. But when he came in, he just goes, "Ben, Ben, look!" And we just looked over at Brian. Brian was just watching the video over oh and gosh, over again was he? on his monitor. Oh boy, <laughs> he's oh, just gonna be boy. watching that video. For weeks. Oh, boy. It's brilliant. Um, they did, and it was not my idea. They asked me to, to come on oh, for yeah. a bit in, of course. in gaming show. What would it be if you didn't make it? How would it be a Marvel series if you didn't make a cameo? That's right. That's right. Uh, but I, I'm really You're excited. Like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Marvel. Busting through oh, the walls. God, we need to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. Um, so Marvel Game Show should be super fun. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a lot more coming for that. Uh, so much. Doing location video, like stuff on location, and more. Lots more detail to come, but you can find that on all our social channels on Marvel.com and on the Marvel YouTube. Um, Marvel Games Twitter as well. Yep, on the Marvel Games Twitter. Yeah. Um, that's really fun. But, yeah, so our, our E3 episode I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And a fun part for me was having um, a friend from Capcom, Brett Elston, on. Cool. He is the one who talked for Capcom along with Danny Koo about Marvel vs. Capcom he Infinite. He spoke for Capcom. He did. Uh, but Brett is has been a uh, a host on a number of podcasts I listen to from mm-hmm. the Laser Time Network. Nice. Uh, so he started a show called 302010, which I think is really fun. I, I You've mentioned that before. I listen to that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Laser Time. They do I, – I don't know if they still do it. They 
did like a superhero show. They do a wrestling show. Oh, cool. uh, they do my favorite video game. One of my favorite video game shows called Video Game Apocalypse. Nice. Uh, and Brett has been a part of all those, and now he's back at Capcom, cool. which is cool. And you should listen to that part if nothing else, because okay. like he loves wrestling. Yeah. He loves the same era of comic. We sounds, talked about Executioner. Sounds like my like, new best friend. I think we talked about Executioner yeah. song Excellent. in that episode. I'm glad we got some Executioner song. Uh, yeah. Permeating every episode. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We will have some. More E3 wrap-up on this episode of This Week in cool. Marvel. Uh, Mark and Christine are going to talk to a couple members of the games team and get kind of their perspective on how the show went. Yeah. So we'll have a little more of that. I even I, – I was – you know, I'm on the fence about – because we have all these extra interviews from – more interviews than are shown in Marvel Game Show, Marvel Gaming Show, or THWIP. Mm. And I was thinking, why don't we just package them up and put more audio sure. out? Absolutely. Because um, there's more perspective, especially on the games – you know, people want to hear about. This is probably the most Spider-Man. we've ever covered a video game event. This, this is E3. the biggest yeah. E3 for us. Period. Yeah. Like, there's so much happening, um, of what we've shown, and so much more happening. I just talking to the games team. They're mm-hmm. doing some really, really cool stuff. It's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Games is blowing up here at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, movies, a big they deal for sure. As well. Yeah. TV, we have like 85 TV shows next year. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot going mm-hmm. on. Totally. Also on this episode, I did talk to Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith about Secret Empire number 4, which we'll cover in our rundown, but I covered very extensively with them. It was actually a really in-depth conversation. It was fun to talk about Ultron with Tom because he is a character who Tom is very like guarded over. Really? He said it before. He says that Kang and Ultron are the Avengers' only two villains. Tom has said that before. He said they're the only two villains who are worthwhile in Avengers lore. And try to think of another one. Morgana Le Fay? No. No? No. No? She's okay. Uh, She's not really an Avengers villain. She fought them like once. Really? Yeah. Oh. Zemo and and the Masters? Zemo and the Masters. I I mean, I know he's more of a Cap villain, but like, I I think he made enough of a mark. He made a mark. I would say the Masters of Evil in general are a good Avengers villain. But I see Tom's point. Yeah. That Ultron Kang are the big two. Sure. And he felt that there were years when they were being devalued by being used too much or being jobbed out too quickly. Mm -hmm. So he's very reluctant to let people use Ultron and Kang if they're not kind of the center of the story. And I said, Secret Empire, Ultron is clearly not the center of the story, but I think Nick Spencer used him very effectively. Oh, yeah. And And it was was weird and creepy and and really cool. But I had a really good discussion with Tom about like what it took for Nick to basically get the approval process to use Ultron Mm. in the way he used him. It's very interesting. I Mm. recommend people listen to it. And if you play uh, the Avengers arcade game Mm. from when we were children, uh, you would know that uh, Grim Reaper is one of the top tier mm-hmm. Avengers villains. Absolutely. Yeah. Good 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 call there. Yeah. Was so that, I, is that the same game that's the Captain America and the Captain Avengers America game the on Avengers. Genesis? Right, yeah, cool. yeah. Uh it's slightly different uh, from I think from arcade. Well, no, Genesis. the NES version I think is a totally different game. I think game. I had the Genesis version, not the NES. Yeah, version. Genesis and and Super NES are similar, but mm-hmm. they're toned down from they're sort of like they're ported, so they're not quite sure. the same. Uh I was talking about how much I love the Spider-Man arcade game. Yeah, um, with which, Namor. Yeah, with yeah Namor, Namor and Hawkeye Black and, and Black Hawkeye. Cat. But yeah. like Spider-Man's best friends, Namor yeah. and Hawkeye. Yeah, of and course. Black Cat. Uh, and I would love to have been in the conversation when that was decided right? who was going to be in the right? game. Yeah, and uh, Brandon Bird, uh, an artist of mine, a buddy, uh, he pointed out he's like. 
that was Hawkeye's greatest. It seemed like Hawkeye's greatest year because it's the same yeah. year that Captain America and the Avengers oh, no came kidding. out. So you Hawkeye had was everywhere. Hawkeye co- co-starring yeah. in Captain America's game and Spider-Man's game in major ways. Yeah, and he had his Sky Cycle. Yeah, oh yeah, in the Captain America. Game. Yeah, he did. That was huge. Oh boy. All right, we could go on forever, we and we will probably. But let's talk about some comics that came out this let's week. Let's do. Let's talk about Invincible Iron Man number eight, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Stefano Caselli and Marte Garcia. Um, I love this issue. Mm-hmm. I tweeted over the weekend that it was my favorite issue to date of Invincible Iron Man. Uh, it starts out, the flashbacks in this issue are delightful. It's Riri Williams as a small child talking to her uh, school teacher and saying, I want you to know I've decided what I will be when I grow up. I'm going to be a scientist. And the teacher's just like, great. That's awesome. That's so support. I'm really supportive of you. And Riri's like, <laughs> I was really hoping you would not be supportive so I'd have something to push back on. So uh, she pushes her until she says, okay, fine. You'll never be Tony Stark. And then she says, I'm totally going to be Tony Stark. And that's where it all begins. <laughs> um, then we have Riri today casing out a crime scene where uh, some sort of terrorist attack has just happened. Lucia Vombardis is involved, and she meets up with Nick Fury, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Sharon Carter, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I love Sharon. Like, there's a lot of people dead and, like, all kinds of mayhem. And Sharon's like, yeah, I have this personal force field. They make me wear it. It protects me from this Because she was at an event, and the event got bombed. Um, So Ironheart, just really, really cool stuff with – Again, weaving in the years ago stuff of her wanting to become a scientist, of her being very precocious. And then in the current day, um, Sharon Carter's kind of manipulating Ironheart a little bit, being like, look, we can't really fully investigate what happened here with Lombardus, even though we know she's behind it. But you showed up and you're here and you can do this. There's a lot of good Riri and Tony AI stuff. And then Lady Octopus shows up. As you demanded. Lady Octopus, the former Dr. Octopus from the Clone Saga. You remember that? Nope. Nope, not at all. Carolyn Trainer, man. She's uh she's she was a big deal. She was the female Doctor Octopus. Sure. When uh Doctor Octopus was dead temporarily. But they have a great fight. <laughs> the first time. Yeah. Stefano Caselli el- illustrates it brilliantly. Well there, there's a great moment in here sure. too where uh I think it's Riri who's like, Wait, you called yourself yeah. Lady Octopus? Yeah. You, like she just totally gets at her, like, yep. what's what what was your deal? She says someone after after Lady Octopus asks um, who she is, yeah. she says, someone with enough self-worth to not have to qualify myself with Lady. Yeah. Seriously. Boom. Lady Octopus. And then she says, you're dressed up. You're dressed like one of those weird carnival knockoff toys of Tony Stark and you're sassing me. Yeah. So that was a great exchange. Good old Bendis. Yeah. Good stuff there. And then uh, in the final flashback to just two years ago, Riri gets on the phone with this female astronaut who is a hero of hers. And I was just, I don't know, it was very nice and emotional. And then we go to Lucia Bombardis. She is plotting, and Riri shows up to, hey girl, what's say, up? Hey girl, let's have a let's have a chat. Yeah, I just loved this this issue. Just I love the way Riri was personified in this issue. I love the way she was characterized. Yep. I loved her exchange with Sharon Carter. I loved her exchange with Lady Octopus. She really feels like a fully realized character. I mean, obviously she's had some tenure at this point. It's hard to believe she's only eight issues into her own series, but she's just a wonderful character. Yeah. And the flashbacks, these are probably my favorite flashbacks. Yeah, and uh, shout out to uh, Stefano Caselli and the rest of the art team <laughs> because it is such a beautiful comic book. Yes. Like, and it it's gorgeous to look at. And I also, Stefano 
is so good at depicting Riri from all her different ages. Yeah. And like really like he he makes her look like the age she's supposed to be Absolutely. at all those Very different times. And it like it seems like a simple thing, but no. it's it's really it's it's really important when yeah. you're drawing the same character um, through childhood, adolescence, That's teenage really years and, and getting yeah. into her young adulthood. Nothing. It's like he just he's so good. Yeah, excellent point, man. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Nick Fury uh, number this, three. This is probably my favorite issue of Nick Fury so far. This was the week of my favorite issues of things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love this book so much. Yeah. I think this is the third time I've picked it out of three yeah, I issues. Think you, have. Um, you love it. From the from just the cover, which is this amazing uh, skull, this sort of Mexican style skull. Does ACO do the covers or Yeah, yeah, this cover is ACO. And so, yeah, it's written by James Robinson. I don't know if we're right in saying ACO. I by asked the way. Ricky and I, Ricky Purden, and I forgot. That's fair. Yeah, uh, so, ask a lot of stuff. Yeah, ACO is our penciler. Yeah, let's go with that. Hugo Petrus on inks. Rochelle Rosenberg on colors. Um, this is like this is the perfect modern version of classic spy Nick Fury comics. Yeah, perfect. The ones that were you know whether you had it's like takes Jim Steranko as old school Nick Fury comics as your template, mm-hmm. and then do them now it is that and it's so perfect and that much more it's got that you know james bond vibe it's got the gadgets it's got the action it's got the like the flirtatiousness the Mm. sexiness both from you know nick fury in this is sexy as hell he is he looks so sharp he's so cool he's so charming uh he's always macking on various ladies i like the player two white outfit yeah. Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. great. He's, yeah, he's got a, a little bit of a different outfit in this one. He's rocking, like, this white coat, purple eye patch, yep. purple shirt, just looks so looks dope. Great. He looks amazing. Uh, looks and like then he's ready for a cocktail party. Totally. He's flirting with his one woman at the beginning, and that starts things going and, you know, rolling and rolling and rolling. But there's, like, you got to hand it to Robinson and ACO in establishing so much cool stuff for them to play with. Like the the ideas for the gadgets and then the executions for the gadgets right. are incredible. They're so awesome. There's so much going on here. And then you take what I was talking, a lot of what I was thinking about, like the modern stuff, you know, there's like the GPS slash video game way that some of this is displayed. Right. Takes a lot of those ideas that were established in the 60s and bring them brings them to a modern format in yeah. a way that, you know, younger readers will will more easily latch on to them. We talk about, we use the term gamifying. Mm. Have you ever used that term? Oh, all the time. We use the term gamifying, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is gamifying the spy game mm. uh, to another level. It's making it like readers can follow along. In it, Like you said, that was the perfect way to say it, a, pr- a very video game style yeah. uh, visual representation. Of yeah. It. Uh, you know, one, little things that I noticed, and Rochelle Rosenberg is on the colors here, like, he changes out. Nick Fury changes outfits. He changes uh, his shirt from a purple to a blue. Mm. Has a blue eye patch. Like he's just rolling. Like See, he, I didn't notice those. He's things. on this train. He's doing his thing. Uh, and he's trying. He's basically trying to protect uh, a, a bad dude. But he's yeah. trying to protect the bad dude so the bad dude can go and Testify, get a, yeah arrested you know, and like yeah. dealt with properly. Right. So there's all these assassins to try to stop that. So it's it's a real simple plot. It's like Nick Fury has to protect someone from assassins so this person can get you know justice yeah and every and i like the the pacing of it that it's not just one assassin after another it's every time he finishes dealing with an assassin he'll take a break he'll go flirt with this lady some more and then oh wait no there's another assassin and i'll this is 
not too spoilery, I hope, but did you think she was going to end up being another assassin? You better believe right, I, I did. I totally did. Yeah. I Which was is great. Sure. I, yeah. I was sure she would end up being another assassin. I was yeah. like, there was nothing I was more sure of in this book than the minute she showed up, I was like, oh, he's going to be fighting her by the end of the issue. And, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say whether he does or not. Yeah. There's the assassins have such a cool look to them. Very they cool. have their own tech, their own gadgets. They're all, it's like you've got the layer of the Marvel universe. You've got up here, you've got the superheroes, you've got the cosmic stuff. But right here is where Nick Fury lives in this like, like spy level. Pointing to places that people can't see. They can't see. see it, but they know what I'm talking <laughs> about. He lives in this this spy world, and it's so cool. It's bright, it's exciting, it's vibrant. Like, mm-hmm. If you said if there was a way we had this Nick Fury in a movie doing this game, screw you, James Bond. You yeah. ain't got nothing on this. This is the perfect like. This is so cinematic. Everything about this book is ha- is just crushing it. I'll I love more. it so much. What about this as a video game? Ooh. Nick Fury video game, <laughs> right? Think about I'm throwing it. up all over myself. Nick I'm so Fury excited. video game based on this comic. Mwah. Oh, I'm gonna throw this Done. at Bill Roseman. Throw it at Bill Roseman. Bill, Tell me Billy, to get this going. Make this happen, Billy. Um, yeah, this is so fun. And again, there's like humor and sass and sex and fun and mm-hmm. awesomeness. It's so good. Y'all have to read Nick Fury. Check it out. Also, check out Mighty Thor number twenty, written by Jason Aaron. The uh, the primary penciler on this issue is Valerio Skitty, who is inked by um, inked or colored. No, colored by Veronica Gandini, and then we've got Russell Downerman and Matt Wilson chipping in for a little bit, too. Uh, we're picking up the War of the Realms, which I'm so excited about. Oh, my about. God. Jason's been building to this War of the Realms literally since he started on Thor in 2011, so it's been going, God, like six years now? Was 2011 when he started Thor? 2012? Mm, I don't remember something what year we're in right something now. Something around there. Uh, so what we've got is we've got Rosalind Sharp. And uh, no, not Rosalind Sharp. That's a different character. Uh, <laughs> Ross Solomon yeah. um, and Volstag representing the Congress of Worlds. They're visiting Nidavellir, the Scornheim Mountains, where the dwarves live. Yeah. Uh, and the dwarves have basically become a refugee camp for the light elves. And it is so devastating. Uh, Volstag were used to being this big, boisterous presence. And, you know, he starts he starts off saying typical... Uh, Volstag thing saying like, oh, you know, I want to eat some food and, you know, do the Volstag stuff. And then he comes across these poor little light elf kids who are starving. Oh my and he's gosh. just like, you know what? I'm going to give you my food. And Volstag is a family man. Oh, as we, yeah. As we know from past Thor comics. You know, he's got He's gone to the bone brood. zone so many times. Numerous times. And produced many offsprings. Yeah. And challenging for a big man. Yeah. But he gets it done. Yeah. Um, and so they're hanging out. They're figuring things out. Volstagg's going to feed these kids. And then suddenly, boom, there's this crazy explosion. Everyone gets caught up in it. Well, it's happening. These pages stuck together? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's an attack from... Muspelheim. Muspelheim? Muspelheim. Muspelheim? Thank you. Um, oh, Moose. Sure. Yeah. Muspelheim, the, Muspelheim. Yeah, the, the realm where Surtur lives, yeah. um, where all the fire comes from, and it's just devastating. This whole camp is devastated. Volstag protects these kids. He's like, all right, I'm going to get you guys out of this. Let's go. Meanwhile, back at old Asgard, we have a confrontation between Jane Foster and the Odin son, which is Great. Yeah, she has told him what's up. Yeah, she has laid the cards out on the table. Not just that she's Thor, mm-hmm. but that she's dying. Yeah, and it's rough. it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty heavy conversation. Yeah. Um, Odin's son, um, 
Odin's son basically says, like, are you, he's very proud in the whole thing. He's like, you know, are you trying to make a fool of me? Are you trying to embarrass me? Making it all about him. Uh, very selfish. We thought he had, like, turned that corner and, yep. you know, now he's just being a turd. And then Jane collapses and suddenly Odin's son is, you know, back in business. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we've got back in Nidvalir or wherever. I can't keep track of all these places. But, yes, confirmed. Musfelheim fire. More fire and fire demons come and attack. The art, brilliant. Uh, Valeria Skitty doing a great job. Volstag, horrifying. It is stuff that happens well, to Well, it is a horrifying depiction of war. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. There is brutal... Like, there is death and, yeah. and just the horror. This last page that says fire goblin blood and then has a picture of Volstag and what has happened to the kids he was charged with protecting. In the mind of Volstag, he is still burning and he will always be burning. And this leads to the origin of the brand new War Thor. That last page yeah. is one of my favorite last pages of comics in the last There are years. two great splash pages back to back. The the picture of Volstag I mean, it's not really a splash page because right. it has extra panels on it, but just that big panel of him kind of in just devastation after what has happened. He's and so, like, such a sweet guy. Th- yeah, I know. And so jolly and so, like, the positive It makes it so much more voice. affecting. Yes. That uh, he oh. is devastated. And uh, I'm really excited to see where they go with this because now next issue – we're gonna we're gonna do start doing Jason Aaron's favorite things, which is having as many Thors as possible going on adventures together. You know what? If there's one person I want giving me many Thors, yeah, it's Jason, Jason Aaron. A Thor core, if you will. Oh, uh, yeah. Where is Dargo Kator? Where is Dargo Kator? He hasn't shown up yet. We should. Uh, I'll get Jason on the line. Please, please. All right. Up next is Secret Empire Underground number one, written by Jeremy Whitley. Art, yeah. Art by Jeremy Eric, Whitley. Art by Eric Coda and Antonio Fabella. And yes, it's hard for me not to pick a Jeremy Whitley book. He just punches so all the right buttons of what I like in a comic. Fantastic dialogue. Great interactions between characters. Fun, exciting story. And then throwing in characters that I'm like I. I forgot that I wanted to see a book with this character in it, but I sure do because we've got Sauron mm-hmm. in this issue. Um, Sauron in here. They're in the Savage Land. You've got mutates. You've got all kinds of wacky stuff. And he writes such a great Sauron. Yeah. Like the Sauron is such a sleazebag, such a jerk. He is a dick. He is like king of the uh, Savage Land, but he's been ousted. Also king of the jerk. Super King of the Jerks. Uh, we get some history with him. We've got this under this team, you know, uh, this underground team of Mockingbird, Sam Wilson, Ant-Man, Iron Man's AI version, Quicksilver, and Hercules looking for the shards of the Cosmic Cube. So they're here. They're in the Savage Land. They know there's one uh, that they need to track down. It's in Sauron's clutches, or is it? And we find out what's going on. There's interactions. Mockingbird is... The best. She's great. Jeremy writes a hell of a Mockingbird. He writes a hell of an everyone. Yeah. But he had Mockingbird guest starred in Unstoppable Wasp way early on, and we know he writes a hell of a Mockingbird. Totally. Uh, But, of course, there's betrayals. There's dinosaurs. There's mutates. There's all kinds of wacky stuff. There's really fun stuff with uh, uh, Ant-Man growing very large. The giant man then getting bit by a dinosaur. Uh, It's it's so good. There's Sam Wilson getting annoyed at everybody, Mm -hmm. which... He should be. Mm-hmm. Love this. this he doesn't shot. Even want to be there. No, no. Uh, love this shot. Uh, Eric Cota draws of Sauron just standing up, 
like you see Sauron, you know, flying around a lot, but there's just when he's walking around in his little jorts and he's, you know, just like, <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? It's so good. Uh, and we find out that there has been this uh, sort of unrest in the Savage Land. And then there's a lot of twists and turns by the end. Great fighting, great action. It's very funny and character driven mm-hmm. action piece. Uh, at the end, it does get you to a place where there's a resolution and it should mean something for the whole of Secret Empire, but. Even if you're not reading Secret Empire, it's a really just – it's a super solid Avengers-y team-up book where they have to fight a dinosaur man. What more could you want? What? Why would you not want to read just pure fun. that? Yeah. Pure fun. And the opposite of pure fun, Silver Surfer number 12. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, written by – So this week had a lot of depressing yeah. stuff to me. And I picked them all. Oh, great. Yeah, I picked them all. Um, no, actually, I guess Invincible mm. Iron Man was pretty uplifting. There was a lot of uplifting, but there was... But Thor yeah. and Silver Surfer. Thor and Silver Surfer have some major Gut stuff. punches. All right, Silver Surfer, number 12, written by Dan Slott. Uh, art by Mike Allred, colors by Laura Allred. It's called The Return to Euphoria. When we last left Dawn Greenwood and Silver Surfer, she had just learned that her dad had passed away. And it was devastating, and we didn't know how she was going to handle it. Today or tomorrow, not really sure which, she wakes up, and whoa, she's back with her dad on an alien planet, and everything's doing great. Now, if you recall, Silver Surfer and Dawn, earlier in the series, visited this planet called Euphoria. Now, the planet's job is to make people feel better. So in that, in this case, what the planet's doing is impersonating Dawn's dad so she feels like she hasn't lost him. Surfer's a little dubious of this because he likes seeing her happy, but he's worried this is not really helping the grieving process. Uh, we flash back to right after uh, she found everything out. She's uh, talking to her family. Um, they just had a baby. Her twin sister just had a baby. We got her husband there as well. Um, and basically, every couple pages were going between Earth in the past, showing how Dawn progressed, and then Euphoria, where, again, Surfer is kind of deciding what can I do that's best for Dawn. He's kind of trying to stay a little bit at a distance, but at the same time, he's trying to help as best he can. Uh, there's, a nice, there's a nice bit of bonding between him and the brother-in-law, who he says to Silver Surfer, your, uh, Costas is his name, he says, you know, you're basically the closest thing I have to a brother-in-law. He lends him some clothes. Great look, great looking outfit for uh, Norrin Rad. He goes out and talks to Dawn, Slot and Allred. Just you know, nail the emotional pieces of this, and uh. it's it's so jarring. Every couple pages to go from Dawn being so upset to Dawn being so happy because she's on Euphoria, um, and then just the stuff she's dealing with, and it's beautiful. No surprise, it's beautifully drawn, uh, very well done. And uh, we get a look back at the return. We get more of a macro view of the return to planet Euphoria. We see day one, day two, day 15, day 28, so on and so forth. How Dawn finally gets better. And then the final part is she basically wakes up from a nightmare. And this is where we get all the action of the issue. Because Euphoria is like, I must go to her. I'm going to pretend to be her dad again. And um, Silver Star is like, no, just let her work this out. She needs to get over this. And they have this great silent fight. Yeah. Well, Dawn is talking to uh, Mama Hub about her feelings and how she's processing everything. So you have this beautiful Silver Surfer versus like this plant creature fight. While Dawn's just going through all the emotions, and um, then at the end, Silver Surfer goes, "Did you hear any of that?" And she goes, "No, I didn't hear any of it. I'm ready to go now." And uh, I like that the last thing she asked, she goes, "I want you to silver down 
for when we go out into space. So you can experience what it's like to be a human out in space. And so was like, I can't do that. I won't be able to breathe. He's like, and she's like, no, I'm able to breathe when I'm on the surfboard. So obviously you should be able to breathe when you're on the Toomey surfboard. will take care of it. Yeah, Toomey takes care of it. And they fly off into the sunset. Yeah, great yeah. book. Love it. So good. So good. Um, all right. On to Ultimate Squared, number eight. Uh, man, <laughs> I love this book. And yeah. it's... I feel like this week I picked all the really sad stuff and you picked all the really cool high concept stuff. Yeah, I scored. Yeah, you did. You did a great job. Um, Ultimate Squared, number eight. It is written by Al Ewing. Uh, Art, if I could find the... It's by Aldcock. I I know the the pencils by Aldcock or Aldcock, but I can't find the actual credits page. It's at the very end. Is it? Yeah. Gosh, you're flipping. There oh, you there go. we go. There yeah, the last page. Um, and Difficult colors by Dan possible. Brown. I just want to make go. sure Dan yep. Brown is noted in here. Absolutely. Uh, great colors throughout this issue. And it's a story like we've gotten. Ultimates has done so much from the first volume to this volume to establish who Galactus is. Absolutely. And why you should care about him. Seriously. And it's this is somehow added so much more. Mm-hmm. This we show here. The issue opens with Galactus like sort of. Dreaming and thinking and and thinking about where he is now, where he's going, what's going on, and reflecting on the last moments of the previous Mm -hmm. reality. Oh, not even the previous, the multiple realities ago when he was just Gallon Ta or Mm -hmm. Gallon of Ta. Gallon of Ta. Gallon of Ta. And like, you know, trying to, you know, he was just the scientist, this explorer, this kind of guy. Um, He can, you know, trying these last moments. Uh, and hearing the voice of the universe calling out to him. Uh, the sentence. Sorry, I have breaking news. Uh-oh. Breaking news. Not that breaking news. Oh. Um, maybe arguably as important, uh, Wet Hot American Summer is coming back for a second season. Oh, you didn't watch the trailer already? No, and I just found out there's a trailer. Sorry. So this I should have sent yeah, it to you. You should have sent it to me immediately. What yeah. is wrong with you? I, I got so excited. I made... Uh. To really watch it with me. Oh um, I got to watch it right when I get back to my desk. I tweeted about it, and then Wet Hot tweeted back to me. <gasps> really? And then I posted a gif of uh, barbecue from the first movie. Oh and man. All right. Let's, get this, pod- let's, get, this, let's get this podcast wrapped up. Yep, let's, yep, go, yep. let's go. Let's go. Let's uh, go. So Sorry. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, everyone. <laughs> Important stuff. Uh, so there's all just like super cool, super heady stuff um, and talking about Galactus, and, and he's getting ready because – he knows eternity is is in chains. He mm-hmm. knows that there's this malevolent force trying to destroy this reality and, like, to get back to nothing, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. uh, as we've seen in the past couple of issues. Entropy. Yes. If you will. Really crazy stuff. Uh, and then we get to this little touch point about Owen Reese, the uh, molecule, molecule man, man. Uh, that he created this, like, pocket reality uh, for Galactus that is sort of undiscoverable mm-hmm. unless you know what it's there and it's made for Galactus um, which is this really cool thing touching on the end of Secret War and, and the birth of this new reality um, and then we get the introduction of uh, Ego into the story Ego the living planet and Odd Coke draws such draws a cool such an ego such a cool ego yeah really it's neat ridiculous um, and Ego is just pissed does not like Galactus. They've had beef for mm-hmm. years. Well, I mean, you know, he's the living planet. Galactus is the planet devourer. It's yeah. it's natural. It's the same way all our food hates us. And oh, um, <laughs> but they they have sorry, this, man. It's that's the way it is. They have this fight, and right now Galactus is not the 
devourer of worlds. He's the life bringer. He's the life bringer, but he's also di- diminished in mm-hmm. stature and in power. He's, yes. you know, recuperating from, from battle. So if ever Ego had a shot at taking him out, this yeah. would be that time. Yes. Um he and ego's like do you think i'd forgotten all the indiscretions no i'll never forget he's like got all kinds of cool creepy powers galactus is not completely he goes like larry david (laughs) a little bit you know um that's who that's no kurt russell would play him in the movie but if if we had (laughs) we had another one um but it's cool galactus is like hey i get it but that's not my my jam right now i'm not gonna eat you let's talk Come on. And then there's like some cool back and forth. Galactus going inside Ego, mm. creating this canal and talking to him. And Ego's still frustrated and angry. And we get to, as you've seen in the movie, like this brain at the center of Ego, the really what Ego is. And Galactus coming up and, and you know, Ego's really upset, really freaked out, really scared and really pissed. And then Galactus is like, chill, brother. It's all good. He's like super mellow. And he's like, um, you think you know me? You think you know me? And then You're just singing Edge's theme yeah. song. <laughs> and he takes off his like his, his golden armor. Yeah, his golden armor reveals that he is just Gallon of Ta. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was born, I died at it you know, during the sixth iteration of everything at its end. And I'm happy to make your acquaintance. Let's mm. meet anew. It's yeah. like this super sweet, cool, weird story. Because then we get egos and alter ego. Yes. We get <laughs> to find out, yeah. Um his he was Egros, a scientist, yes. and like this cool, you know, stuff. I didn't know his history really. We get a bunch of his backstory and how he came to be. I don't know if this is the first time it's been revealed. So be at the end, um, it, oh, it, whether right. it's Al or the editor or whomever, I think it's Al, yeah. has additional reading. Hmm. And for more on the origin of Ego, you could check out Thor 228 and okay. Astonishing Thor number three. But like, I don't remember Astonishing Thor that well, and I New don't me, think bro. I've ever read that Thor, that yeah. regular Thor issue. Um, and then there's, of course, more from Ast- uh, Ultimates 2. Um, but we, we get this, like, cool meeting of Ego and Galactus on a brand new level. Mm-hmm. And Galactus is the giver of life, so he does something amazing to and for Ego. But there's a purpose to it, which we reveal when Galactus, like, invites him to his club. Mm-hmm. He's like, come over here. <laughs> I got a gang I, I want like, you to hang out with. I like that you say invites him to his club. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's true. It's totally true. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I didn't see this part coming. No, and it's so cool. It's like super heady, really cool stuff. Then there's even more because at the end, uh, there's two more pages right at the end, which I was not expecting to dive into. We get two characters and uh, a dog butler, and I was like, <laughs> this is this – Two is, characters this and is, a dog butler consistently one of my favorite comics Great it's stuff. so weird i love it so much ultimate squared is the best all right let's take a second before we get into our quick hits to talk about some of the bigger comics that came out this week first yep. i want to talk about peter parker spectacular spider-man number one written by chip zadarsky art by adam kubert colors by jordy belair this was so fun just the spirit of you know fun 
crazy that you know Chip brings to everything he does. Uh, we have some nice Spider-Man and Human Torch moments. The moment later in the book with Human Torch shows up again, I'm not going to ruin it, oh, man. was one of my favorite parts of the book. Oh, boy. Um, but we get great Spider-Man in New York City Adventures, saving this woman from a mugger. Ant-Man shows up. Uh, Ant-Man, for some reason, can only get to be like three feet tall because his helmet's not working. So he goes to the Tinkerer's brother. The Mason, who's basically a good version of the Tinkerer. Is he a new character? He is a new character. I love it. He is delightful. Uh, he looks he looks like Andre the Giant, to he be totally, honest with And you. he's big. He's yeah, a, and he's big, a big, dude. big dude. So he basically will assume that he's modeled after Andre the Giant. Oh, be the uh, Spider-Man gets in there, and Spider-Man just, just nonstop banter. The banter just doesn't stop. We see uh, Uatu, the guy who worked with him back at Verizon Labs, is working with the Mason. Uh, Ant-Man gets fixed, and also his helmet now allows him to grow like half a foot taller, so he's a little bigger than Spider-Man, which is a nice little touch. Mason helps Spider-Man out with his web shooters, uh, fixes him up. Um, Spidey this whole time is just talking monologuing uh, never stops joking never stops gagging um he makes a date with the woman that he saved as spider-man which i loved and then he uh yeah, how's he gonna make that work yeah i don't know but i'm excited to see it because you know making out yeah. with a mask uh, on kind of weird bro just pick it up a little bit you never done okay um <laughs> but we end with he has some mystery about this stark phone yeah. that has been like hacked and for some reason this is this is unheard of that a Stark phone's been hacked, and it leads him to an encounter with Ironheart. And meanwhile, back in New York, uh, Johnny Storm, who has been left to his own devices, meets Peter Parker's sister. Wow. Existing what? character. Yeah, totally. Yeah, from from uh, there was a Mark graphic Wade's novel. original graphic novel. Yep. Um, so, yeah. That was, it's just a great first issue. Then there's a backup story with Spidey dealing with a kind of not that impressive villain and then having a fight with Black Cat. Uh, this is edited, uh, illustrated by Goran Parlov, I believe. Let me verify that. Yes, indeed. Pencils and inks by Goran Parlov. Colors by Nathan Fairburn. Beautiful little story. Again, Spider-Man versus Black Cat is the thrust of this one, and that's going to have ramifications later on in this series. I'm excited, man. I think uh, Chip Zdarsky is going to be slam dunk, and of course Adam Kubert and Jordy Belair. Oh, my gosh. Can you get a better art team than that? Yeah. Um, so this is really, really good stuff. Really, really good. Uh, if you guys haven't watched it already, uh, we invited Dan Slott and Chip Zdarsky to join me on Facebook Live this past week, this week, uh, to unbox the new Spider-Man App-enabled interactive superhero. Is that right? App-enabled interactive right? superhero uh, from Sphero. From Sphero, that I, I know. Dan kept singing the app-enabled interactive superhero. Uh, I had them. I'm sure, that was fun. It actually, <laughs> it was bananas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we Dan was going crazy with it. It was yeah, really it was fun. Shocking. Chip was. Off the wall, he was super great. What a combination of uh, personalities to have in one room. It was Kudos a lot to you of fun for keeping it under control. I did not keep it under you control. Did. It okay. was definitely out I of control. I kind of figured you wouldn't. But you could watch, you rewatch it. It's uh, up on the Marvel Facebook because uh, we did it on Facebook Live, yep. and it was a lot of fun. You get to see a little bit about the, the toy, but just seeing Chip and Dan like hanging out at Marvel, goofing off, doing fun stuff. It was fantastic. Awesome. So banner week for them. Uh, on to Another or- big one for I'm us just to talk organizing about. organizing comics as yep. we go. Uh, Secret Empire number four. 
Yeah, we're going to dive in, uh, I'm yeah. sure, a lot more a little bit later in the episode. But, you know, uh, this issue, we've got... Why are the credits not right up front? Yeah. Come on, really y'all. really messing around. Uh, we've got written by Nick Spencer. Pencils for most of the issue by Linnell Francis Yu. Inks by Jerry Allen Guilin. Colors by Sonny Go. There's also additional art by Rod Reese, Joshua Cassara, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Yeah. Rod Reese does the the prologue at the very beginning. Yes, which... And then Joshua Cassara does... Um, the first initial pages with Black Widow and the Red Room and the Punisher and all yeah. that good stuff. Uh, the prologue at the beginning, I don't want to get too much into it. I don't no. know if you do with, with the rest of them. Very briefly. Okay. But Very briefly. super cool. And they're, depending, you should look at it yeah. and pay attention to it because it might give you thoughts about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, that said. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, Tom and Alana would not talk a lot fantastic. about Fantastic. It's great. Uh, but, you know, the, the meat of this issue, we've got Punisher, yep. who's following Captain America. We've got Black Widow beating up people. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, the main part of this issue is this underground team, similar to the team that we saw in... Not similar, Ryan. Exactly the same. In Underground. Uh, they are going to get another shard, yep. this time... Uh, which is in, what is it, Alaska? Alaska, where yeah. Ultron City is. Yeah, Ultron City. Uh, which I don't know if it's actually called Ultron City. That's just what I choose to call it. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Ultron's there. He's got a city. He's got a bunch full of Full of Ultrons. Full of Ultrons. So what, and he's what is made, it but Ultron City? He's, uh, uh, he, so we have our underground team going. We also have Captain America and his, you know, Hydra, Hydra Avengers. Avengers. Hydra which, Avengers. Yeah, you got Odinson, Black Ant, Vision, Taskmaster, and... Cathan-powered Scarlet Witch, yep. which is terrifying. Yeah. Speaking uh, of terrifying. Yes. Terrifying because this Ultron, if you've not been reading Uncanny Avengers, which, what's wrong with you? What's you should have. Uh, a lot of those issues with Ultron are in Marvel Unlimited yeah, now no, and more are coming. Um, but the return of Ultron to Earth, uh, where you aren't sure if it's Hank Pym or it's Ultron, it's actually both. Yeah. And it's... It's terrifying and this really just like amps that up a yeah. whole bunch more it takes everything that jerry duggan established and just just goes boop, 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 boop. uh but we've got this fight between the underground and the hydravengers great fight and uh it's great but really Ultron's, it's all about this dinner that ultron's yeah. hosting ultron's Come like on. shut up i want to have a dinner let's talk it's a big family let's thing. hang out like we used to and like you've got Ultron Pym in a uh, holding a, a knife and a fork, uh, wearing an apron that says "Kiss the Overlord." Mm-hmm. Like he is off the deep end, crazy. Um, and it's him trying to talk to these people who part of his consciousness has deep love for, and part of it has deep hatred for. So he's swirling all over the place, and then it's confusing to everyone. It's fantastic. It's a really, really great bunch of interactions. This conversation that happens between Tony Stark and Hank Pym with uh, the others kind of on the fringes is a conversation that has been literally decades in the making. Yeah. I dare say. Yep. And it's it's just, it's crazy to me that... We talked about Nick Spencer taking on Ultron for this issue. Big yeah. responsibility. Like, Tom Brevoort does not entrust it easily. But to take on the issue that he takes on is really ballsy is the only word for it. To, uh, to say, I've got a definitive take on this. And he, he knocks it out of the park. Yeah. It's really great. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff that is teased and outright like laid out in here especially towards the end there's an interaction between ultron and someone else Mm -hmm. and then uh some talk between the hydra avengers about what's going on and 
Oof. Now the mystery is deep. And I love the last page, last page. cliffhanger yep. action that Nick does. Yeah. All right. And we can say what the cliffhanger is. We can? Yeah. Why not? Sure. There's a mole in the Avengers. Dun, dun, dun. dun. In the underground. In, in the underground. In the underground. Someone uh, this, is working for Hydra. This was the cliffhanger that caused Alex Lopez to text me at like 10 o'clock at night in all caps saying, who is the traitor? <laughs> and with no context whatsoever. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I'm like, Wait, is there a traitor? With the people we work with? Like, what are you talking <laughs> about, man? Um, but he, uh, no, he was asking about this. Great. So, good stuff this week. Let's go into quick hits with, uh, starting with all new Guardians of the Galaxy, number four, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Aaron Cooter, um, colors by Yves Forzina. The Guardians are dealing with the Collector. They are trying to get to the bottom of what him and the Grandmaster are up to. Uh, they basically go on the run through gl- Collector's home planet they sabotage all this stuff gamora has a very important conversation with the collector spinning out of what happened in last issue and the discoveries she's made and uh there's a certain certain grouping of objects that are about to become very important in guardians of the galaxy and then the conclusion we get to see a very creepy look at what's going on with groot why he hasn't grown more and uh, just Ugh. creepy, creepy Creeposaurus. stuff. Yeah. All right, we've got America number four, written by Gabby Rivera. Uh, pencils by Joe Canonis with Ming Doyle. Inks by Joe Rivera with Ming Doyle and Joe Canonis. Colors by Jose Villarubia and Jordan Gibson with Joe Canonis. Uh, this wraps up sort of the first part of uh, America's story here. We get some cool stuff of her background, her moms. We get two Americas fighting not really so much against each other and not fully so much with each other. There's a lot of tension between the same woman. It's awesome. Uh, there's cool resolutions with America and the relationship she's building, some fun stuff, and then some mysteries that uh, are open, opened up by the end. Yeah. Captain America, Steve Rogers, number 18, written by Nick Spencer, uh, with some help from Donnie Cates, who's a new up-and-coming writer we're going to be hearing yeah. a lot from in the near future. Do you former, know him? Former Marvel inter- Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, you I don't know Donnie. Yeah, yeah. Donnie's a former Marvel intern. Uh, He's been writing his ass off doing books for mostly his own creator-owned stuff on Image. Uh, Great writer. Really like a go-getter, smart kid. Lives in Austin. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm super excited for him. Yeah, he's got some. We we should be talking a lot more to Donnie. Cool, because he's got some big stuff coming up. But he's uh, co-writing this issue with Nick Spencer. The art provided by Javier Pina and Andres Guinaldo. Rochelle Rosenberg on the colors. This is all about Namor and the relationship between Namor and Steve Rogers. Um, it kind of ties in with what happened in Secret Empire this week at the end of Secret Empire. It's Namor deciding how he's going to deal with um, how he's, how he's going to deal with Steve. Steve goes in front of the United Nations and gives this devastating speech about how basically like we have tolerated your insolence enough. At this point, Hydra's taking over. We're doing whatever we want. So there's a, there's a cool aside in the midst of it. Yeah. Very cool aside that I'm not going to spoil. Essentially, Captain America goes to the UN mm-hmm. and cuts a promo on the exactly. rest of the world. Total heel promo. It's a super heel yeah. promo, and he just tears them to shreds. And we get all these insets of like European heroes and other heroes doing their part to kind of say that's it. But it's just so bold and so brassy what he says. Um but then I love this bit. Oh yeah, love this bit that he's talking and he's you know he's the the king. You know what of you know what mountain? He's the cock of the walk. He's the cock of the walk, baby. Um, and then Black Panther shows up on a screen. He goes, 
the representative from Wakanda requests the floor. Yeah. And basically we go to Black Panther just tearing apart um, Arnim Zola and I think the, all the Hydra troops that are with him. And basically uh, he invites Steve. He's like, hey, why don't you come and see Wakanda for yourself? <laughs> if Steve's cutting the heel promo, Black Panther's on his music interrupts like midstream, <laughs> and he just comes out and cuts the babyface promo of a lifetime. Yeah. He's basically Stone Cold Steve yep, Austin. I was thinking the same thing. He's the one guy who can stand up against this. And then Namor shows up and uh, – we get a confrontation between the two of them. But man, that Black Panther stuff just made me so happy. Yeah. That was like coming on the heels of Black Panther probably being seen by more people than ever before, yep. thanks to the trailer coming out. Just a moment for him to look badass as hell in the context of this event. And I love that that is something Nick Spencer keeps going back to because he did it in the main Secret Empire book too, where he said like, yeah, we sent some troops to Wakanda. It didn't go so well. <laughs> so it's just the idea that Black Panther, it, like the world is a mess. Everyone's scrambling to try to figure out what to do. Yep. Steve Rogers is one step ahead of everyone, but Black Panther is just hanging out in his kingdom, basically saying, come at me, bro. Yeah. You know? So good. Awesome. Now I'm picturing... Black Panther standing up face to face to uh, Hydra Cap, and then Panther throws him the double bird, the double kicks birds. him in the in the stomach, gives him the Stone Cold Stunner, yeah. the Black Panther Stunner, the Black Panther Stunner, <laughs> yeah, gets up on you know like a top rope, gives <laughs> gives the gets, crown like yeah. the, the double fingers. Oh man, uh, Stone It'd be Cold, great. it's great. All right, on to Daredevil number twenty two, written by Charles Soule, art by Goran Suzuka, colors by Matt Mila. Uh, this is Matt's big gamble. Yep, Matt Murdock is saying, "I'm going to eradicate all crime, and I'm going to do it by finding a way to get superheroes to testify anonymously mm-hmm. to help the case." Um, doesn't mention anything about supervillains and how that could backfire, or mm. who knows Didn't what happened. Think of that. Very clever. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting stuff, and there's lawyering, and there's, you know, it, it's really cool. Charles being a lawyer yeah. really takes all his expertise, all his knowledge, and, like, the understanding of the tone and the flavor of what happens in a courtroom makes it really cool and exciting and entertaining mm-hmm. and puts that all together. Also, of course, throws some goons in there who are trying to kill people. Uh, you get Gotta to have, have that. Daredevil have that. throwing the gavel oh, twice, awesome. and it's really great stuff. He's like, he, get, he gets a Thor gag in there. Yeah, he's like, man, these things really come in handy. Maybe I should start carrying one around. It's really funny. <laughs> uh, there's also a fun part. The judge who is there is like... Um, uh, he's cheering Daredevil on at one point. Mm-hmm. It's really great stuff, uh, but this is escalating. Yeah. So Daredevil is making his point, and it's going to go up further and further, and he's making more enemies. Escalating quickly. Yeah. Uh, Darth Maul, number four, written by Colin Bunn, art by Luke Ross, colors by Nolan Woodard. Uh, Darth Maul has made off with a Jedi who is going to be auctioned off to a bunch of ne'er-do-wells. And so now the uh, auctioneer has said to said ne'er-do-wells, basically... Go track down Darth Maul, track down his allies, track down this Jedi. You can do what you will with them. Uh, Maul has a conversation with the the Jedi. She's a Padawan, I guess. And, um, you know, talks about the dark side, talks about his problems with Jedis. They whip out their lightsabers and have an awesome fight against the people trying to track them down. But the whole goal here is Maul wants her to prove her worth so he can kill her and basically be like, I killed the Jedi and uh, get some of his rage problems under control. And uh, that's that. That's that with Darth Maul. Yeah. Darth yeah. Maul. Uh, you got Maul. I've got Darth Vader. Yep. Number two, written by Charles Soule. Art by Giuseppe Camoncoli. 
Inks by Cam Smith, colors by David Curiel. Vader is on his path to get a lightsaber to become the Sith Lord uh, that he needs to be. Uh, there's a mid-rim Jedi outpost designation Brightholm that uh, you have some stormtroopers. Like, Charles does such a great job of just writing some stormtroopers just goofing around. Like, yep. I want to know more about these dudes. Yeah. And these are clone troopers, too, yeah. I think. I think they're clone troopers because the they they talk about how you know there will be no more clones anymore. What's right. going to happen with them? Well, that makes what sense because this was this was just after the whole yeah. Clone Wars thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, they're trying to you know like what's going to happen with us? There's like all these Jedi artifacts that are at this place called Brightholm, and there these idiots are goofing around with lightsabers, just talking and and having a time. Uh, and then there's the ship that's incoming, and it is Vader in his ship, which he stole back from the people who took it from him, and. He doesn't say they're like, hey, whoever's in that ship, stop, stop. We're going to blow you up. Stop. Stop. He doesn't say anything. It's terrifying. It's great. He destroys all the ships around him. He lands there. He busts his way in. He just tears apart. It really is. Darth Vader is just an unstoppable force in this issue. I love it. And that's him at his best. Yeah. He uh, grabs, you know, this lightsaber, not his lightsaber. So it's Vader with a green lightsaber, which is weird looking, but Mm -hmm. it's cool to see. And he's like, this is not mine. Chucks it down. He's on a mission. We get to see like how Vader can get his special blood red lightsaber. Well, he has to defeat a Jedi, take it, basically turn this, you know, this lightsaber red uh and there's a big challenge ahead of him there's one jedi there's a jedi still out there who his only purpose was to fight dr strange number 22 written by dennis hopeless art and colors by nico henrichen beautiful stuff uh depicting the demon infested new york city where dr strange spider woman and ben urich have teamed up with the kingpin the kingpin is leading them to a repository of magic to try to uh, make things okay. And You're right over there, Andres? Are you okay, man? He's yawning up a storm. Oh, boy. Wow. Wow. Uh, we also find out that Baron Mordo is basically in charge of New York City. I like this depiction of Baron Mordo as yeah. well. He's a little bit sassy. Yeah, he's very sassy. He's, uh, you know, how are things in the Dark Force, Mordo? Oh, just peachy keen, Zemo. <laughs> just <laughs> complaining. Uh, he's got Daredevil captured. He's in the Sanctum Sanctorum, which means all the stuff that Jason Aaron and Chris Pachalo established as far as the uh, refrigerator in the Sanctum Sanctorum applies to Zemo, trying to get his coffee, trying to get some cream. Uh, it's a get nightmare. Money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Sure, sure. Um, it's a nightmare. He uh, a literal nightmare. Yeah. And then we've got Kingpin leading, like we said, these mi- these. I love Nico Henriksen's mindless ones. They're just these like mass of black and red destruction. And uh, Mordo's tracking them down. They come up against this witch who turns into a tiger because she wants to fight Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange uses magic in a very smart way because, as we know, there's still a price for magic. And uh, Doctor Strange basically saying, like, you know what? Her magic's too dark. The price is too great. We cannot use any of this stuff. And Kingpin going, really? You know, I don't, I don't really mind paying the price. So uh, there we go. And then Kingpin does something stupid. Yeah. That's going to that's gonna have repercussions. Yeah. Really good issue. Yeah. Uh, all right. We've got Iceman number two here, written by Cinna Grace, art by Edgar Salazar and Ibram Robertson, inks by Ed Tadeo and Ibram Robertson, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, we get to see Iceman and Kitty Pride going on a trip to help and to f- – locate and help a young mutant who's in trouble yeah. um i was excited to see this pairing because i i thought they were a very underrated ex-couple and i don't remember them ever date uh, they, they dated during the jason aaron wolverine and the x-men era 
briefly. Um, But I thought, you know, this is an interesting conversation. This is something that really happens in life, and I want to see them deal with it. Yeah. So there was some tension because Kitty has found out that Iceman's gay but did not find out from him. And so that, you know, provides some some issues between them. Uh, But it's cool. You get some bonding time with them. You get Iceman kicking ass. Oh, look what I did. Uh, Iceman kicking ass. You have a cool new mutant, a, a, a neat new mutant whose powers are to amplify everything around him he like amplifies electronics which causes a lot of chaos amplifies powers yeah all kinds of stuff uh and it's it's iceman pulls a cool trick at the end here a cool trick yes yeah really uh so hard uh, yeah uh how much do we say that word (laughs) (laughs) we should be aware of it yeah but it, it it also sets up iceman to really like deal with the people in his life and yeah. talk to them as he should. Yeah, and it's going to be uh, – the next issue looks like it's going to be something really intense as well. Yeah. Luke Cage, number two, written by David F. Walker, art by Nelson Blake II, colors by Marcio Meniz. Luke is in an odd situation as uh, he got the crap kicked out of him last issue outside New Orleans, and Mitchell Tanner, Warhawk, who is another guy who was developed by the same guy who made Luke Cage who he is, has – uh, rescued him. He's basically like an insane older brother. He's like, I'm going to help you out, Luke. I'm going to get you back to uh, to health. He's completely insane. Uh, yeah. The doctor who Bernstein was working with is brought before a crime figure who uh, is behind a lot of this. And he and his son are, you know, this, his son was treated by Bernstein, but um, some bad stuff has happened to him. He's gone off the rails. We get all this stuff with Luke and Mitchell Tanner. Yeah, it's really establishing that Luke is the only one who has gone through this treatment and is, and is not okay. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they encounter some more people. Luke's got a nice little uh, New Orleans Seminole shirt on. Seminole, the word nope, there? Not no. Seminole. That's nope. just the fleur de lis. Fleur de lis. Um, so, yeah, Luke fights a bunch of guys. <laughs> I don't know. And by the end of the issue, we've got uh, the doctor trying to come up with a cure. And we've got uh, a crazy person running at Luke Cage. Yeah. Hold on. Yep. Yep. All right. We've got Man Thing number five, the final issue in this uh, limited run, uh, written by R.L. Stein, art by Tyler Crook. No. Tyler, Tyler Crook does the backup. He does the backup and the cover art. Uh, inside art by Herman Peralta mm-hmm. and Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, we get. Man thing cutting off uh, old father's head. There's oh, craziness. Man. There's gladiatorial matches. There's wackiness. Uh, there's this character named the Yellow Arrow. I enjoyed him. The Yellow Arrow yes, was, was quite him. a delight. Uh, total goofball. Uh, just he lasts all of like four pages, but mm-hmm. it's fun. Um, in in the nexus of all realities, everything is weird. Everything is crazy. Uh, R.L. Stein loves having the horror and the humor mixed together in this, uh, and it puts Man Thing in such a weird ending zone. But you also get this really uh, this this creepy backup Super story creepy. called The Perfect Boyfriend uh, that is drawn by Tyler Crook, and it's gross and it's very as uh, is noted in the final letter. Uh, it is very EC Comics, Tales mm-hmm. from the Crypt, Vault of Horror yeah. style book, top to bottom. Totally. Uh, yeah. All right, Monsters Unleashed number three, written by Colin Bunn, art by David Baldion, colors by Chris Sotomayor. The new intelligentsia has struck. They've teamed up with the Mole Man to capture Kid Kaiju. Uh, the monsters are rampaging. They're trying. They're they're basically fighting Shield, um, who is also in contact with Damage Control. 
whole lot of stuff's going there. Everyone wants to know where Kid Kaiju is. Also, Bloodstone is fighting a bunch of Moloids and basically yelling, who is your queen? Yeah. Who is your queen? And they uh, portray her the queen. Lady Hellbender shows up. She is working for the Intelligentsia. She wants to bring King Kaiju back to them. There's a nice fight between Elsa Bloodstone and Lady Hellbender. Uh, the Moloids get involved. Um, the art by David Baldion is great, just depicting all this craziness. And then uh, Kid Kaiju gets captured, and look who it is. It's uh, our gold friend, Mr. Sinister, yeah. showing up on the last page. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got Poe Dameron, annual number one, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Nick Farella, colors by Jordan Boyd. Uh, opens up with uh, just talk between General Leia Organa and uh, Poe Dameron. Great stuff. And she's like, you're a pretty good pilot. You're also super cocky. Uh, you're very foolish. You get yourself into trouble. Please don't get into trouble. Of course, we open up. That was a flashback. We open up. He's in trouble. Big he trouble. and BB-8 are in uh, a dangerous situation. They found a minefield. They done got blown up. Uh, and they may be able to salvage themselves and find some uh, cargo. They run into some stormtroopers. There's great stuff. Great looks. Nick yeah. Farella does really great Love Leia. Nick um, we need Nick Farella in another regular series. Yes. Soon. And it's Robbie. On all the things I love, Robbie. Love Robbie. You got a big old, big old writer crush on Robbie. I do. I do. You know what? You should. Yeah, because he's great. He's great. And uh, you get to see Poe being Poe, talking his way in and out of situations. And he's thankfully got people who have his back. Uh, really great stuff, and it's it's cool because this is an annual. It's a one-off story, but it does tie into the main series. Very so, much so it's great if Important you just stuff happens. if you just want to read a Poe Dameron, Princess Leia, mm-hmm. you know, Queen uh, General Leia story. But if you are reading the main book, bam, it's right there yeah. for you. Royals number four, written by Al Ewing, art by Tony Silas, colors by Jim Charalampidis. Uh, it's a hard one to pronounce. Uh, in the future, Maximus is the last in human standing. He is surveying a ruined uh, landscape. Meanwhile, back on Hala in the present, Ronan the Accuser, who's still all powered up thanks to the Black Vortex, is taking stock of all the dead Kree. And then the royals show up. And then things get terrible. Because if you recall, Ronan was married to Crystal. And we all know what happens when you're married to Crystal. Oh she treats you terribly. Okay. So Ronan is very upset. He goes against the Inhumans. Uh, Marvel Boy's in the mix. Swain is in the mix. And uh, Ronan basically goes, I accuse you. And it's not just that Crystal ruined their marriage, but it's also that the royal family was basically ruling uh, Hala at one point. And then they just took off when they were bored. Uh, when they were done with it. Yeah. And then Hala got destroyed. Yeah, so, so understandably, Ronan is very upset. In the tradition of really, like, bummer comics this week, the mm. beginning of this book has Ronan walking through the Yeah, walking the through the skeletons, and, like, naming all the people. Whole, like, name, like, that was... Yeah. And Ronan's new Black Vortexy powers allow him to basically... Uh, make people feel really bad and <laughs> make them have hallucinations about the hearts they've broken. And we get some really cool stuff here with um, Swain devastated because uh. Ash is, you know, taking on her. Flint devastated because his parents are mad at him. Maximus not giving an F about his parents. <laughs> Medusa being pretty, uh, pretty defiant. Little thing with Marvel Boy and Kate Bishop. And then we've got uh, Crystal who is ultimately accused of breaking everyone's heart and just the worst. Yeah. Just just 
categorically the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm really yeah, excited sure, for next sure. issue to see her get hers. <laughs> oh boy! All right, on to <laughs> Secret Empire: Brave New World number two. Uh, three stories again in this issue. First one is. Uh, a Patriot story called The Birth of Patriot by Rodney, written by Rodney Barnes, who is working on uh, Marvel's Runaways TV show, uh, has worked on The Boondocks, has worked on a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, it's cool to see him doing this, taking on the uh, introduction of this new Patriot character. Absolutely. Art by uh, Juan Frigeri and Eric Arciniega. And uh, we get to see who this new uh, Patriot is. We've seen a little bit of him, mm-hmm. like very little, very little um, in here. Uh, but we get to see him sort of where he is in the underground base, the mount, uh, how he's interacting with everyone, uh, sort of trying to learn to be the hero that he's always wanted to be. Mm. And now he's, you know, being given the tools, the encouragement, the training to be that hero. So it's, it's this is truly like the birth of this character. And there's this just great scene of him talking to Falcon and Miles. And I was just like, it's great. It's It's like, it's a really neat introduction for this character. Excited to see more of him. Uh, We get a second story called uh, about Hydra Bob. Bob, Agent, Agent of Hydra, Hydra. Uh, written by Fabian Nicieza, hey. art by Will Robson and Tamara Bonvillane. Uh, just a, it's really, a quick one. It's a quick one. Is this, this character, is she known? She's an Inhuman, right? They, um, I don't know. Sonic, she's sending out Sonic emissions. I don't think I don't so, man. This, she's I think just, she's new. Yeah, she's just this woman. She's got cool powers. Uh, she's in Cleveland. These Hydra agents are trying to stop her. And uh, Bob, Agent of Hydra, He's the one who gets yeah, the job done. He comes through. Yeah. Uh, and then third story is an invader story called A Sanctuary. Second part of that written by Paula Lore, art by Brian Level and Jordan Boyd. Uh, you've got Toro and uh, Jim Hammond. They are in captivity in Atlantis. Namor is just he's brooding. Mm-hmm. A lot of brooding, lot Namor. Of brooding. He's good um, at that. He's like, ah. You got sexy Namor, you got brooding Namor. I, right prefer, now sexy we got, Namor. I prefer sexy Namor as well. But yeah. Right now we got brooding Namor. Yep. Um, but they, they've they got all this, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that Namor is dealing with on the surface world and in the water. And mm. we find out what's really going on uh, and, and the challenges that Namor is facing at the last page. Spider-Man 2099, number 24, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Spidey 2099 is fighting alongside uh, an incarnation of his girlfriend, Tempest, and also seemingly another version of himself. There's another guy in the old Spider-Man 2099 costume. They're fighting Venom 2099, Dog Octopus 2099. They're fighting the forces of Fist. There's a nice reunion between Miguel and Tempest. Um, We see the leader of Fist uh, kind of bringing all her plans to a head. Uh, we see Captain America 2099 getting in on the mix of it, all the other spider characters basically saying, all right, 2099 is going to handle this. Uh, the Vulture shows up, and then we find out who the other Spider-Man 2099 really is, and it's crazy. Yeah. All right, U.S. Avengers number 7, Secret of uh, Empire tie-in, uh, written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Medina, inks by Juan Vlasco, colors by Hister Sarpertov, and uh, the U.S. Avengers are in a pickle. They are... A mighty big pickle. They are being picked apart, split apart, tossed around. Red Hulk has been taken over by Hydra. Uh, Iron Patriot has been taken down, uh, and she has to do something really drastic to save Squirrel Girl and Enigma, which is really cool. Th- like, mm-hmm. Al-, Al Ewing taking a really cool touch on Enigma's, like, phasing powers yeah. and... and 
you know, does a, this cool thing. Um, we get to see Cannonball not dead. If you've been reading Secret Empire, you thought Cannonball might have died. Yeah. We get to see what happened, where he is. At, not that he's in a, a good spot. Not at but all. still, he's around uh, Squirrel Girl being awesome and Squirrel Girl. Uh, but I think one of the coolest parts is here seeing uh, European what's going on on the European front. Yes. In France in particular, uh, Hydra's there, but they are, you know, they're not as all empowered as they are in America or in Hydra Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to see Ares, as mm. you see him on the cover, so Got you know he's there. Yeah. Uh, what's his deal? Where did he come from? What's going on? He was in Contest of Champions. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was that in other Contest- book that Al wrote. Yeah, uh, along with other characters who yep. show up at the end of this issue, exactly. uh, which is great because these are awesome characters. Excited to see how they play into everything. Uh, but unfortunately, Citizen V, uh, Roberto da Costa, is in a Bad tough shape. spot. Bad shape. Weapons of Mutant Destruction, number one, Alpha, number one, written by Greg Pak, art by Mahmoud Asrar, uh, colors by Nolan Woodard. We see, it all starts out with a pizza delivery, man. I, this had to be exciting for you to see this pizza delivery into the Weapon X labs. We go deep in the depths of the Weapon X labs. I actually really enjoyed that, that I, part I'm of the story sure you did. I'm not surprised at all. I was intrigued It was by very it. fun. Uh, we see what they're working on down in Weapon X. This is a crossover between Weapon X and Totally Awesome Hulk. Uh, old man Logan has told Kitty Pride there's something going on with Weapon X. They're kidnapping mutants. They got these horrible cyborgs. But don't worry. Me and my team have it under control. His team happens to be Lady Deathstrike, Sabretooth, Warpath, Domino, and, of course, the totally awesome Hulk. There's a little bit of a conflict because the Weapon X uh, former victims, whatever you want to call them, the, the mutants all know that they may have to get a little nasty in order to win this war with Weapon X, but totally awesome Hulk does not want to go there. Uh, in what must have been a nightmare scenario for you, Ryan, we have Sabretooth, Domino, and Warpath fighting against killer cat cyborgs. Yo, that was messed up. It was very it was messed really up. Really upsetting. There were these cute little kittens that turned into uh, awful cyborgs, and yeah. uh, Old Man Logan's there as well. Uh, totally awesome Hulk as Amadeus Cho and uh, Lady Deathstrike are trying to track down this guy who has gone missing. They found out that his DNA is part of one of the cyborgs they're tracking down. Uh, a Reverend Striker is also in the mix. Just a total scumbag. Just a I, I love that Reverend Stryker is here because he's such a like an yep. easy villain to, to really hate. Reverend Stryker and Weapon X are working together and uh, we bookend it with them needing more pizza. Yes. Always need more pizza. Always need more pizza. Um, all right. Last book of the week is X-Men Gold, number six, written by Mark Guggenheim, pencils by R.B. Silva, inks by Andreo, Adriano Di Benedetto, colors by Frank Martin and Andrew Crossley. Uh, this is the finale of the fight between this new mutated sentinel AI creature mm. in Manhattan. Uh, the X-Men have called in all the help that they can get giant fight uh there's a great little touch in here where uh the they talk about the locations uh locations very close to where we currently are oh no uh yeah uh so we should be careful in case this ever happens uh the (laughs) x-men have a contingency plan yeah Yeah. the x-men are fighting their damnedest to to make this happen against the sentinel but he's way too powerful there's only one person who can really help the fight and that is Rachel, Rachel Gray, uh, and she's having a hard time. So this is a cool story, really, like, focusing on Rachel getting her stuff together and stepping up because she's so friggin' powerful yeah. and so awesome. She's awesome. And she can do it. Yeah. Uh, and there's this really intense 
scene right here. They're like, Rachel, are you okay? She's like, I don't know. And there's stuff that is in her mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Hopefully someday we'll find out. Yeah. All right. So that is the comics on sale this week. There are a lot of them. So many. We, uh, we went through it. But collections on sale this week, we've got five-minute Spider-Man stories out in hardcover, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man Secret out in hardcover, Avengers Unleashed, Volume 1, Kang War 1, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 4, New Guard Grounded out in hardcover, Invincible Iron Man, Ironheart, Volume 1, Riri Williams, hardcover. Occupy Avengers Volume 1, Taking Back Justice. Please buy that collection if you've not been reading. It is really, really good. Spider-Gwen Volume 3, Long Distance. Spider-Man Doctor Strange, Way to Dusty Death. Spider-Man Doodles. What is Spider-Man Doodles? It's just a little coloring book for people, I think. Okay. I don't know. You don't know? I have no idea. Okay. Um, Star Wars Doctor Aphra Volume 1, Star Wars Podamron Volume 2, Gathering Storm, Star Lord Volume 1, Grounded, and Ultimates 2 Volume 1, Troubleshoot. There's a lot of good trades out. Good trades. Star Lord, Ultimates, yeah. Doctor Aphra, uh, Occupy Avengers. Like, Avengers. Yeah. Man, good, good stuff. stuff. Uh, digital comics out this week, the books that we've talked about, as well as Marvel Boy 1 through 6, yeah. finally, on the Marvel app. Jeez, can't believe uh, it hasn't been there yet. So that's great. Grant mm-hmm. Morrison and J.G. Uh, Jones. Jones. So good. Uh, Marvel Illustrated, Picture of Dorian Gray 1 through 6. Finally. Marvel Team Up from the 70s, issues 21, 50 through 51, six, 76 through 77, and 80 and 81. Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man from 2011 series uh, 2 through 28. Uh, digital collections on sale. It's a lot of similar stuff. We've got Avengers Unleashed Volume One, Kang War it's One. It's always a lot of similar stuff. I know, but we always read it. Yep. Guardians What's of the wrong Ga- with us. We do it for the. Fa- oh, we've never heard a complaint. Yeah, never, never. You're right. Guardians you of the Galaxy right. New Guard Volume Four Grounded Invincible Iron Man Ironheart Volume One Riri Williams Occupy Avengers Volume One Taking Back Justice Spider Gwen Volume Three Long Distance Spider Man Doctor Strange The Way to Dusty Death Star Wars Doctor Afra Volume One Afra Star Wars Podamaron Volume Two The Gathering Storm Star Lord Grounded Ultimates Two Volume One Troubleshooters Alpha Flight Volume One You Gotta Be Kidding Me uh, That's Got to Be the Scott Lobdell Yeah that was the Scott Lobdell series. and uh, yeah. Henry uh, Clayton Henry Clayton Henry Good Really Good Art There Yeah uh, Excalibur Visionaries Alan Davis Volume One X Factor Forever. That's a I loved X Factor Forever. What was that one? It was Louise Simonson and Dan Panosian oh, doing yeah, basically yeah. Uh, X Factor if they kept going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really good. It was really original good. X Factor. It's excellent. Yeah. X Force Cable, The Legend Returns. Mm. X Statics Volume 3, Back from the Dead. Love X Statics. Yeah. All right. Freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited. We've got all new X-Men number 16. We've got Alpha Flight, the original 1983 series, issues 20 through 27, 29, and 39. Amazing Spider-Man Review Your Vows number two. Cosmic Powers, the six-issue limited series from 1994. Was each issue a different yep. spotlight each on a different character? Each issue a different right? one. I know Thanos had an issue. Mm-hmm. Tyrant, I believe, had an issue. Uh, Jack of Hearts Jack might of have Hearts. had an issue. Uh, all over the place. Th- Fire Lord, maybe? I don't know. I want to say Marvel, but when before oh, he became... Uh, Legacy. Yeah, when he was legacy. Yeah, when he was legacy. Yeah, very cool. All right, Daredevil number 14, Deadpool Back in Black number 5, Doctor Strange, Punisher, Magic Bullets number 3, The Infinite Comic, Fool Killer number 2, uh, the full four-issue run of Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix from 1996, some dope John Paul Leone yes. art. Yeah, I was just about Peter to say Milligan that. wrote it. Oh, it's the yeah. origin of Mr. Sinister. It's excellent. You have to read it. Yeah. Should, that should be a future That should be a future That is really good. Um... Because we don't do enough. X-Men. X-Men. <laughs> um, Ghost Rider, X-Men Special, number one, Infinite Comic, 
Guardians of the Galaxy number 15. Hey, Glenn, we're in a resurrection right now. Oh. We can do, yeah, all we can do whatever we want. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy number 15, Gwenpool Holiday Special, Merry Mix-Up number one, Hawkeye number one, Inhumans vs. X-Men number one, Marvel Universe, Ultra, Marvel Universe Avengers, Ultron Revolution number six, Old Man Logan number 15. What about Mosaic number three? Mosaic number three, of course. How could we ever forget that? Uh, <laughs> Old Man Logan, number 15. Power Man and Iron Fist, number 11. Silk, number 15. Spider-Man, number 10. Star Wars, Poe Dameron, number 9. Totally Awesome Hulk, number 13. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 15. And Uncanny Avengers, number 17. So much good stuff in Unlimited this week. Mm. Oof. Oof, oof, oof. All right, so let's go uh, straight to my conversation with Tom and Alana about Secret Empire. Then we will throw things over to the West Coast where they have all the latest on movies, TV, and games. And then back to us to answer your questions and comments. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News! Alright, welcome back to the Secret Empire Corner here of This Week in Marvel. We have our most intrepid guests of all time. <laughs> They're the best. We love having them. Alana Smith, welcome Hello. back. Tom Brevoort, always a pleasure. Hello, Ben. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, we're doing all right. <laughs> we're doing all right. All right. We're well, in the heart. We're in the heart of the Secret Empire. Oh yes. yes. Oh yes. Fighting our way through <laughs> to the finale of Secret Empire, one page at a time. Where are you guys in terms of the Secret Empire? Process? Oh, that's a dangerous question to ask me. A very. I mean, we're in many places. Okay. Yes. All, at, all yes. at once, we're operating across many issues. Okay. Yes. This week, issue six goes to press, and next week, issue seven goes to press. Hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fingers um, crossed. And we have right. pages of 10 already. Oh, my God. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're all over the place. Can I ask what artist you're getting pages for from 10, or is that a mystery? Uh, That's it's Steve McNiven. Steve McNiven pages are in They're 10. For page, beautiful. For 10. Yeah. Very cool. I don't know if we'll be able to show any of them because I think every page is a spoiler. Oh, man. <laughs> but oh. they're beautiful. Yeah. They, well, all, they all show Dr. Man. What? what? <laughs> can't, nice. Oh, can't say it. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's it's coming along nicely. Four was another great issue. I'm holding it up, mm-hmm. visual yes. for the podcast here. <laughs> yes. um, I really like this issue. I'm excited to talk about it with you guys. So cool. let's uh, let's dig in. Uh, the first thing is we we visit our old friend. Cast my mind back mm-hmm. all the way to number four. <laughs> we visit our old friend, uh, other Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Or has he identified as Steve Rogers yet, or just Steve? He has identified himself as Steve Rogers, right. I believe. But we don't the- know. In the first issue where he showed up. Yeah. We got him fighting yes. Whirlwind, Batrock, Living Laser, and mm-hmm. he gets some help uh, from two familiar-looking faces. All right, Spanky and Clanky. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to talk at all about this sequence, <laughs> or are we still kind of um, keeping this one in the dark? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what I, what I would say. What do, you, what, what, do you, what do you want to know beyond what's actually on the on the page here? Right. I think Ooh. I think if you're if you're noticing that some of the figures in these sequences look familiar, mm-hmm. that's not insignificant. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> that's All right. Probably as much as we can. Say. All right. I love it. So moving on from there, we ended last issue. But then you skipped a beautiful, the beautiful right. cast page. I apologize. Yeah. Like, so you guys want to talk about the cast page? It's got it's all the li- it's got all the little heads in it. <laughs> I'm sorry. And some of them are are all red, so it seems like a bunch of the characters are dead, even though we yeah. pulled them. We in just reality, pulled them from they were a, just all in the same room. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> they were all in the same red lit room. Yes. Although this guy was in a different room than these two. That's true. That's so true. Yes, they just, just buy their light bulbs at the same, <laughs> at the same height. 
your store. Yes. Yeah. Hydra's, and then an actual Hydra's big red into red room. lights. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll talk about the actual. <laughs> red. All right, I want to talk about the Punisher a little bit. We didn't talk about him a lot when we mm-hmm. talked the last issue because he was a big last page yeah. reveal. Yep. But now we can dig into it a little bit. Um, I think it's cool, as always, to have the Punisher involved in these events. Give me kind of the genesis of bringing him in and what his role became and how you guys came up with it. <laughs> The genesis was Nick sent me the script <laughs> issue three, and he was on the last page. What? He didn't discuss it with you at all? Just no, on the page? no, no. He didn't discuss it with really? me at all wow. before, before that script came in. Um, you know, we talked about it after that script came yeah, in. Yeah, I imagine. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he, show, he showed up there, it was a it was a surprise to me, mm. just like it was to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I mean, the thing with the Punisher is we, you know, that's not one we were as worried about when he came in because he's not a good dude. No. So like, you know, I, I don't like, if he's doing some morally suspect things, it's like, yeah, it's a Tuesday sure. for the Punisher. You know, like, <laughs> right, so, right. so we were like, okay, that, that fits. That's fine. It's interesting because I mean, I remember when Punisher was brought in during civil war and that's really the only other instance I can think of where Punisher participates in the big events. He's usually kind of mm-hmm. off to the side doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Why did it make sense to involve Punisher in this event when we don't always, you know, bring him in for every event? Well, the, the the simplest reason is because uh, Nick wanted to and mm-hmm. had a role for him. Um, although you could say that with just about every character at this point. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, beyond that, I just think it's a you know it's it's a good interesting uh, place to put the Punisher and mm-hmm. you know to be able to look at him uh, from a slightly different point of view. Um, you know, the Punisher is one of those characters that if if you like him and you read his comic. Uh, he's a he's a good guy. He's the guy that you're behind, and you mm-hmm. kind of excuse all of the really not very nice, <laughs> really very morally questionable uh, life choices he makes, right. uh, and even the kind of skeevy way he he lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's all stuff that if you look at it from another point of view, and not even just the point of view of oh he's going to fight Daredevil now, and Daredevil's going to you know wag his his finger in his direction and say you are a bad person but i'm not actually going to stop you or anything from doing what you're doing i'm just going to disapprove in a in a menacing way um uh, you know uh, fashion but but uh, you know in just shifting the landscape uh, under him um you know it's pretty easy to, to to see that there are aspects to what the punisher does that that uh, when viewed from a slightly different point of view are perhaps a little more troubling than they are in the average issue mm-hmm. of punisher mm-hmm. and we're leaning it's leaning heavy here on his relationship with steve rogers which has always been interesting i want to know if you guys want to talk a little bit about that what his dynamic with steve is and why it's uh, an interesting one to explore I mean, Steve in general in this is is very much calling on, you know, the bonds he's made throughout mm-hmm. his career as a superhero and mm-hmm. the trust people have in him. Um, so to some extent, this is an extension of that, which is, like, if you're with Cap, you probably think you're on the right side. Sure. The yeah. same thing, like, Deadpool fell victim yep. to the same thing. Um, and we'll see a little bit more why Odinson is around. Yeah. I, I think we see a bit more of it in this issue, but not all not of a it lot. yet. Yeah. Uh, we get some accusations thrown his way by yeah, Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah, But, but um, I, I think in the issue after this is when we, we find out what's going on. With I love you guys trying to figure Odinson. out what issue is going on. I know. On. We're it's, working it's on so fa- many at the same time. It's one of my favorite like, things. Uh. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things where you just suddenly your eyes just start going up. And you're like, like wait, oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Which one was it? 
Uh, yeah, so so I mean, that's what makes him such a dangerous villain here, is he does have those relationships sure. that he can call on, and it's very, very hard for those characters to say no, mm-hmm. especially if they're people like the Punisher or Deadpool, who live in that moral gray and are kind of looking for that way to feel like, oh, I'm on the good side. Right. Like, like, Cap wants me to do the thing I'm good at all of a sudden. Oh, that's great. great. Like, like, so, you know, I think that's, that's a bit where he's falling yeah. here. Do you guys remember or know, again, I'm asking you to cast your minds back, but I'm hoping to get a good answer here. Do you know who did the design for the Punisher's Hydra outfit? Because it's very cool. Oh, yeah. That was just Andrea. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. uh, That was Andrea Sorrentino. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. All right. I want to move on to the Black Widow and her Red Room. Uh, Mm -hmm. In this issue, they get to interrogate a Hydra agent. The young heroes learn some hard lessons. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to delve a little bit more into the idea of, because I don't think we talked about it last time putting the young heroes with Black Widow Mm -hmm. and how that kind of pushes their character arcs forward and how that's going to have a lasting effect on them. Uh, Well, it'll push their character arcs forward and have a lasting effect on them. For for those characters individually and even more the ones that are the core of the champions, Mm -hmm. uh, they've made a big show out of uh, you know, uh, saying that uh, you know the way their their uh, predecessors have done and continue to do business uh, is a little bit suspect and mm-hmm. not kind of the way they they want to do things, uh, and that's a that's an easy thing to say when everything is fine, and it's not as easy a thing to to a line to walk or tightrope to walk when things are not so fine. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, part of the 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 interesting thing about their journey is you know forcing them into the the hardest part of this situation and seeing uh who will do who will do what and uh, how far anybody is going to go Mm -hmm. uh and how much this uh uh you know these beliefs uh are going to stand and how much of them will will bend given the situation and given the circumstance Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think all the young characters come from fairly different places in this, like even individually too, because sure. um, Nadia the new Wasp has the history with yep. the actual Red Room. Yeah, right. Um, so so this is going to grate on her a bit, and and you know make her question her place in it. And mm-hmm. um, Miles is still haunted by the events of Civil War too, which predicted that he would kill Captain America. Right. Which, when Captain America <laughs> is in the place where he said, he, like, where the Vision said he was going to be, and suddenly yeah. evil, it's like, oh, well, maybe I didn't dodge that bullet yeah. after all. Um, so, you know, and then the others are varying degrees of, of how comfortable or uncomfortable they are with this. Um, so we'll see them start to, to make choices as the story goes on about where they want to fall here. Let's dive right into the Ultron of it all Um, (laughs) with a quick diversion to talk about we have kind of the first skirmish between the Hydra Avengers and the Avengers Underground here. It's a neat group dynamic. It's it's characters you don't necessarily see a lot. There's some cool battles. I want to ask you guys if you had and I'm again I'm asking you to remember a <laughs> issue that you put out a long time ago. I understand right, that. Right, right, right. Um what are some of your favorite moments from the first fight between the Avengers and the Avengers? Wow, uh, again it's, it, gets, it gets tougher to, to again the, the 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 one moment that I I'll slowly flip these pages so you have a yeah. shot at remembering. Again, the one moment that that I remember is the, just the 2 seconds of of 
Scott Lang yep. and, yeah, and yeah. Eric O'Grady and Black Just Ant. blasting through the mm-hmm. floor. Um, so so that that in particular uh, stands out to me as as a thing I hadn't seen before, yeah. which is sort of odd given that they've both cool. been running around in the Marvel Universe together for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, apart from that, all the rest of it was, was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was uh, good. It was a fun little fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I like the, you know, the moment where you think, oh, this is going to be the cap. Iron Man fight, and they, right. they don't quite get to have that moment, <laughs> no, but the build-up to it is pretty cool. They get interrupted. Well, uh, yeah, I want to talk about that for a sec. I mean, Tom, you were you were around for Civil War, right. um, which was really, I would say, arguably the first time Cap and Iron Man butted heads. I mean, they, they had in the well, pages of Avengers. Again, that's not really true. Okay. You know, I, this his, is why his, I have yeah, you here. Yeah, Please, yeah, correct yeah. me. Historically... Uh, and it's not a consistent thing, but historically, there have been plenty of times mm-hmm. over the years where we've seen Cap and Iron Man butt heads. You know, during Armor Wars, for right. example, they had a big throwdown. That's down. a good point. Even before that, the first issue of Avengers I bought off the off the stands, which mm-hmm. is the second issue in the Korvac saga, mm-hmm. is the end of a of a of a cycle of of uh, subplotting where Iron Man is running the Avengers and Cap doesn't like the way he's doing it, and he. Uh, at, at a particular point, the the mansion has been wrecked up the week before by mm-hmm. Count Nefaria. Now Henry Gyrick has come in and shown up there, and Cap loses his cool and uh, he calls Iron Man something like a low life mercenary. I know, I know the issue you're talking about in the, now. In the yeah, head yeah, yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> forth. And, yeah. Um, so, so, uh, so you it's know, a long, proud tradition there of is, Cap there and is, Iron Man not getting along. Uh, you know, again, they get along and they don't get along. So but it's one of those. It's one of those. Like you can find more examples yeah. of that than you could have, like Cap Thor or Iron Man Thor. So what's at the heart of that? Why? Why do they? Why are they best friends and yet at the same time seem to just match up so well against each other? Um, well, uh, uh, you know, I think to some degree they're best friends because, uh, you know, we put them together and made sure. them the Avengers back <laughs> in, the, in the 60s, and yep. so they've shared a lot of, of common ground. And mm-hmm. on a certain level, um, you know, they both uh, kind of want, in the broadest strokes, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, though, as, as people, they're very different people. You know, Tony is a child of privilege and Steve is a child of poverty. Um, you know, their backgrounds, uh, you know, while there are similarities between them, their their backgrounds are completely different. Uh, and I think Tony is more overtly uh, flawed than Steve is. Sure. Steve has his flaws, but those tend to be concealed under the mantle of Captain America. Mm-hmm. And those tend to come out more as self-doubts than, than overt doubts. Um, and so uh, I think it's very easy to, you know, have them aligned by common cause. But because they are so different and, and uh, because I imagine for Tony sometimes it's difficult to look at Captain America standing there and not feel like it's his dad, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, disapproving of him. Uh, I think uh, it's very easy to, to sort of uh, set them on edge to one another. I think also they both have they're both characters of very strong convictions mm-hmm. and I think they respect that in each other but then the problems arise when those convictions do not line up because yeah, they still are like sure. look I'm really glad you believe that thing you believe in so hard but I don't like yeah. it and I believe the opposite yeah. thing and and you know it's the it's two immovable objects that yeah. just won't you know they can't reconcile things and it's more complicated here because Tony's really trying to save sure. the Steve he remembers yeah. so he's fighting that much harder against you know, this person he sees as a sort of a usurper to the, mm-hmm. the Steve he knows. So, yeah. Okay. 
Right, Tom, do you have something else to say? No, we're good. We're good. Okay. Let's talk Ultron. Um, Ultron, typically a villain who would necessitate a whole event or story by himself. So I think it was very interesting. I remember when this cover first came out, we saw that Ultron was on the cover. Right. And we're like, okay, Ultron's going to be part of this story. A lot of people were thinking, how is he possibly going to fit? Right. I think Nick found a brilliant way to fit him in, and he mm-hmm. plays a great role. But I do want to talk to you guys about that, the idea of bringing as big a villain as Ultron in for essentially one issue of a larger story. How how did that come about, and why did it work? Well, again, it, you know, that, that, that was one that took some convincing on. Yeah. In that, you know, what you say is exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, and particularly uh, in the Avengers world, there are two villains I guy I guard yep. like crazy. I think we've talked about this we in have, the past. We have. Uh, you know, it's it's Kang and Ultron, and the reason I guard them like crazy is um, the Avengers only have two villains that are worth anything, and right. they're them. And you know, for a, a bunch of years, particularly in like the '80s, both of those characters, you know, had kind of been. I don't want to say mistreated, but they'd been mm-hmm. kind of undersold by a string of stories that didn't, uh, you know, approach them on the same stature that you would a Doctor Doom or a Magneto, you know, one of the big hitters. Yeah. So pretty much since I've had Avengers, you know, my philosophy has been, you know, there is no, there is no Kang story. There's no story that Kang enters that it doesn't become a Kang story. There is no story Ultron enters that doesn't become an Ultron story, and that's just kind of my barometer. They're too. They have to be that big. To uh, to live on the Avengers uh, 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 a playing field, and to not be undersold or undervalued. So this was definitely a conversation that Nick and I had going in. Hmm. Um, you know, I think Nick does a pretty good job here. For all that, Ultron is really only at least so far in this uh, you know sure. one one uh, section of uh, of making him uh, formidable of not underselling him they don't trick him they don't defeat him they don't unseat him they really don't do anything to him that he doesn't want he's in control of pretty much everybody on the board the entire time mm-hmm. uh, and is pretty scary for all that he's wearing a silly apron <laughs> so so that made him more scary yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. That. Agreed. Because he can rock it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So so and uh, you know to to uh, to Nick's point. Uh, you know the 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 real difference and the real thing that that he uh, you know uh, keyed in on is the fact that uh, you know based on the last couple of stories that Ultron's been in, uh, you know Ultron has kind of been merged or subsumed or eaten, uh, you know Hank Pym and his his personality. Mm-hmm. So in a very real way, you know just as much as uh, Hydra Cap and glow-in-the-dark AI Tony, uh, you know, Hank Pym Ultron is, is you know, another of the, the Avengers founders uh, or as close to it as you're going to get in, sure. the, in the modern uh, Marvel landscape. Uh, and so that makes the relationships a little bit different than when it was just, you know, sort of whatever, prime Ultron. Yeah. Alana, you've got kind of a different perspective because though you work with Tom, you have not spent years safeguarding <laughs> King and Ultron from the uh, from the the ravenous writers who want to consume them. How, how did you react when you saw that Ultron was going to be in here? Well, you say that, but since I've been hired, yeah. that has been the company <laughs> sure, line. Sure, sure. So I've, I've never known another version. Okay, like, by the time enough. I got here, they were already in, like, do not use them All unless right. absolutely necessary. So when that, you know, when, when we were talking about using him here, I, too, was like, just, just fall right in line. What are we doing? Like, yeah. why are we, like, why would we have him here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the thing that, that makes it click for me is what Tom said, is that they don't defeat him. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know... 
they kind of have to leave it as a problem for another day. Right. I think if they came in and, and, you know, rolled right over him and took the cube fragment, then, yeah, we'd absolutely be, you know, yeah. making a waste of Ultron here. But he's really there to, to you know, be, be the Hank Pym role and also maybe be playing his own game in yeah. the background. Uh, so. Nick's really, I guess, the third writer to approach this new take on Ultron because mm-hmm. yeah. Rick Remender created yep. him, um, created this version. <laughs> right. Then we had Jerry Duggan handle him in Uncanny mm-hmm. Avengers. So right. Nick's really the third. It's it's very much a new character. How did he approach kind of carving out this version of Ultron and how he's different from Ultron's past? Um, well, I think there's a lot of Jerry's... We were calling him Pimtron when Pimtron. we were bringing nice. him up. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of Jerry's Pimtron in here. The, the kind of, you know, he's got that friendly face, but he's also mm. super deranged. Yeah. And, and he, there's there's this smile, but there's a yeah. threat underneath. And kudos and, to Lanille Francis Yu, who just draws yeah. him yeah. terrifying. Yes. I mean, Andrea Sorrentino <laughs> did a great job. Yeah. Lanille, they're really owning this design. It's a yeah, cool yeah. And, and before that, uh, Pepe Larraz was the one yes. who drew him in Uncanny, Uncanny Avengers. Avengers. And he really hit that. You know, he's got like this, you know, very wholesome, yeah. like blonde little face, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. then he like pukes up Ultron, and yeah. then he's Ultron, and it's horrifying. Uh, so, so I think a lot of it comes from there. But, um, you know, I, th- I think Hank Pym is a character that uh, Nick has a lot of interest in, sure, because uh, he's a very complicated, like Hank is a very complicated very dude, um, and putting him in this Ultron status, and Ultron has his own complications. Mm-hmm. It's just an interesting cocktail of yeah. things. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, you know the, the the kind of guiding philosophy behind this iteration of Ultron, uh, and certainly you know one that that Spencer plays in on, is that, uh, and it it vexes a certain type of fan because mm-hmm. I hear about it. I, they ask me the question every once in a while. Okay. You know, and again, the, the the fans that really want you know want their handbook stuff spelled out very concretely. Uh, we really have not said one way or another is this hank no we've been very cagey in ultron like or that. is this just ultron who's gone bananas mm-hmm. um and so you can read any of any of these sequences and indeed any of all of the ultron stuff going back to rick's uh, ogn mm-hmm. um you know in two different ways mm. uh, and that i think makes it more interesting because you're not quite certain what you're dealing with and, and, and uh, who's there. So I'm in no particular rush to d- define that one way or the other. Um, I think the uncertainty of it is is the interesting part. Cool. So we have this little dinner, this awkward little dinner with uh, Ultron right. wearing his Kiss the Overlord apron, which mm-hmm. I think is terrifying. We should make um, those. You really should. should. We should definitely merchandise those. Um, and one thing I want to touch upon before we get into kind of the big discussion that happens, because there's a huge Avengers discussion that happens here is Hercules kind of needling Odin's son about why he's how he's betrayed them why he's doing what he's doing we kind of we get an explanation of what happened to Scarlet Witch she's possessed right. by Cthon. right is that how you pronounce it Cthon? yeah Cthon. Right. Or Cthon. awesome Cthon. Um, and we find out you know the vision's been corrupted by uh, computer virus essentially but we still don't really know what the deal is with Odin's son are mm-hmm. we going to be finding that out or mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah. you get it uh, as Alana said it's it is five it's okay. it's the next issue Secret Empire five mm-hmm. um, there's a whole sequence that's that's very specifically about that mm-hmm. uh, and there's a bunch of 
of material that that uh, you know goes right to the the heart of that and mm-hmm. what's going on with him and mm-hmm. why he's doing what he's doing and mm-hmm. right, what he's thinking and what he's feeling about all of this stuff. Cool, cool. All right, so we'll get into that. Right. Um, Again, oh. it's also once you once you actually have it laid out in front of you and once you think about it from the perspective of of Odin's son, you I think you know at least for me. Uh, you know, you kind of go, oh yeah, okay, I I get that mm-hmm, completely. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. that 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 makes total sense mm-hmm. if you look at the situation and look at what's going on and what has happened from his point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get the big conversation here. We get Ultron kind of interestingly. Ultron is the one who takes the heroes to task, saying, you know, you guys have been causing all these problems with your civil wars and <laughs> your this and that, and he kind of lectures them, and then. I love this moment with him and Tony. This mm. is one of my favorite moments of the series where Tony just flips <laughs> out, basically says what a lot of people always say about Hank Pym was inferiority complex right. and all mm. things like that, and then hits the kind of the sacred cow of talking about what he did to Jan right. and how that ruined the Avengers. Tom, as someone who's been <laughs> a steward of the Avengers for years, I feel like this is a huge conversation. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this sure. is something should have like We've, we've imagined it happening for years, and it, it's it's just, I don't know, feels to me like an epic Avengers conversation. So, again, I want to ask, how did Nick convince you to let this conversation take place, and how do you think he handled it? Well, it's not like I needed much convincing okay. for, for this. You know, okay. like, like you say, on some level, you'd almost assume that, that that conversation had happened somewhere. Right. And we've seen things like it Little bits. in the past. Sure. You know, Chuck Austin did did a yep. version of it between Hank and Hawkeye yep. in, in his run now fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. and you know all the all the, the the stuff on the path to Hank's redemption in West Coast Avengers, yep. and so it's not like we haven't we haven't seen people uh, you know different different writers and different characters address this. It's a it's a lingering bit of Avengers business, and. You know, again, like it or not, and and spend as much time and as much effort as as you want on trying to to change it or turn it around. Um, it's always you know, there. That yeah. one, you know, ill-considered panel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a in a comic from 1981, still remains the most noteworthy Hank Pym moment there right. is. Nothing else has has eclipsed it, and indeed probably will eclipse it. Sure in the mind of, of most people. And I feel like that's the challenge of every writer who approaches Hank Pym is how do we get him past that one panel that's defined him. So it was Right, and I don't think, and I don't, again, I don't know that there's any way that you can. You can't no. really get him get past that. You just have to accept that that's the thing mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, and move him on from there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, in terms of, of uh, you know, the, the fodder of it all, that's certainly the... Uh, the uh, 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 the two-facedness, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, mm. uh, which is is, is uh, stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, I'll say the two-facedness for right now. Okay. You'll 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 get it. The All word right. will pop out of my mouth in, in, in three seconds. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know of uh, you know uh, Hank slash Ultron laying all this this jazz out on the other. Uh, you know the other characters, the Avengers. How could you do this, or how could you do that, and mm. so forth. And you know when, in fact, he's done the same, if not worse, and sure. more personal himself. That it's no, you know, he's got no particular high ground to stand on here. Even with all of this, he's still the one who's probably in the biggest hole. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so for all that he's making uh, reasonable points or halfway decent points on some of this stuff, it's not like uh, uh, you know he's any more pious or any more perfect or any more special. Yeah. Uh, assuming that even is Hank and not just a right. crazy robot. <laughs> so we've got you know uh, Hank Ultron kind of goes crazy after this, understandably, very upset, um, mm-hmm. pushing his buttons literally, mm-hmm. and uh, goes nuts. And we get resolution not through. Iron Man blasting or capturing his shield, but through Scott Lang kind of talking his way through things. Right. Obviously, Scott Lang is a character who's near and dear to Nick. He wrote his solo series. Right. Um, why was Scott the right choice to kind of be the hero of the piece here? Um, well, uh, you know, again, all this stuff and and most of the most of the beats that you're talking about here revolve around pre-existing history and pre-existing relationships mm-hmm. and Scott Lang has a has a long and and uh, very strong relationship with Hank Pym obviously mm. uh, given that that Hank was the guy that gave him his second chance and you know turned him really into Ant-Man after he'd stolen the suit and got caught by <laughs> him um, so you know that 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 state change turns completely on that relationship and mm-hmm. that's not one that we've seen uh, in the two previous uh, you know Ultron Hank stories mm-hmm. that Rick one or the or the Jerry one um, plus you know again he's a character that's near to near to Nick's heart yep. and and he's there uh, and uh, you know so so uh, you know he's able to cut to the heart of this in a way that the other characters perhaps are not cool. so the uh, the underground ends up getting the cosmic cube shard. Good for them. They mm-hmm. run off with it, and then we have this conversation between Ultron and Cap, where it seems maybe there is something more than meets the eye going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to kind of lay this out, or would you prefer <laughs> readers uh, interpret it for I themselves? Think, I think the readers can interpret okay. it. We've yeah, got we have let them do it. we've got six six more issues, cool. and uh, I don't get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So then we kind of wrap things up with another major player making an appearance, and that's Namor. And we see more of this in uh, Secret Empire: Brave New World, which mm-hmm. people should definitely right. pick up right. and check out. But what's uh, also in the in the uh, in the Captain America, the Steve Captain Rogers America, issue. Steve Rogers right. issue? That's that's about yeah. to that's just dropped. It's on, about it's on to, today. Okay, yeah. So it's as today. we record this today, it will be right. on sale. 18? Yeah, it's eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the one. It's the one with the beautiful. I it's one with name. Yeah, the, the, the cover the, the, with Namor fighting. Yeah, the Elizabeth yes. Torque. Elizabeth Torque uh, cover. Uh, Namor cover. And in that issue, you'll see a bit of what led up to this yeah. moment of him. So, what's Namor's role in all of this, and what's his role going to be going forward? I mean, he's obviously someone who's close to Steve. He's a major <laughs> power. Um, is this is this it? We're just are we just going to see him hand over the cosmic cube chart, or does Namor have a role to play moving forward? Well, I don't think you should discount any. I mean, it's a big canvas. Like sure. there's a lot. There are a lot of characters here. So, you know, as you rattle off any number of characters who are in the book and say, mm-hmm. are they going to have a role to play? Uh, you know, the answer is probably yes, yes to some degree, <laughs> but that role might just be third guy from the left, yeah. punching whomever. Right. You know, as we go, right. um, you know, we're we're dealing with uh, a finite number of pages. Although some days it feels like Nick doesn't Infinite realize that. Pages. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, 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 you know, so so you know, everybody is hopefully going to get you know some some moments and some time to to shine mm-hmm. but it can't be everybody's story or it's sure. nobody's story sure. um so uh you know i don't know that we're done with namor uh, again certainly there's more with him throughout the rest of of brave new world yep mm-hmm. um 
a bit more in cap as well. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, but I also, you know, I don't want to want to pretend that that he's going to be such a big player that the 150 other characters aren't going to get there. Aren't aren't going to sure. be there. Sure. Uh, you know, because then all I'm going to hear about, you know, is what about what about Captain Marvel? Yeah. Mm. Why are you giving the space to Namor? Yeah. Where is Captain Marvel? Or mm. you know, fill in the blank of whatever character is the one that you particularly. You know that that fan particularly supports. Yeah. Where is T'Challa? Mm-hmm. Where is you know whomever? Sure. Um, why why aren't they getting more? Yeah. Uh, and you know the answer is hopefully everybody gets a a, a little something. Patience, you know? just be mm-hmm. patient. Yeah. You know, even in the course of this issue, yeah. like a bunch of different characters sure. get stuff to do yeah. and get cool moments and 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 get interesting exchanges and you're not quite you know it's not quite all the all the expected players mm-hmm. and it's not quite just the you know the the so-called you know a list mm-hmm. with everybody else standing in the background. It's not yeah. just Cap and and Tony and uh, you know the guys that you'd expect. It's sure. you know it's also the Scott Langs. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and then the last page of this issue, we basically find out that there is someone on the underground team working for Steve Rogers. Oh no! Oh my God! No. Oh, Another no. crazy last page twist. <laughs> you guys want to give any uh, any hints? Any little uh, breadcrumbs? I or we're just gonna let this sit. I, I think, just enjoy knowing who it is when no one else knows who it is. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, think, I, I will I, say that um, I was I had uh, our social media person uh, Alex Lopez was right. reading this and he texted me in all caps. He goes, "Who is the traitor?" <laughs> and I don't know who it is, which I choose right. to remain not knowing. Right. So right. I told him I didn't know, and he was. I, I think very few yeah. people outside of us. So who do you know. who do you think it is, Ben? Well, now I, I found out. Okay. Oh no! So, so you've cheated. I know, right? I wish I wish I could sit here and play the guessing game with you guys. That would right. be much more fun. <laughs> we don't want to tell anybody that it's Doctor Man. <laughs> we, we won't. We won't. We won't say it. Uh, but it's it's um, uh, uh, yeah. I, honestly, uh, you know, again, it's kind of it's kind of funny because it's a different sort of a cliffhanger, and yeah. I think it's probably. Uh, you know, for the issues that we've had, the you know the the quietest or, quietest or the most the most typical, you know, the least spectacular sure. uh, issue ender that we. It's we've, not the Punisher. It's not other. Yeah, we didn't blow up a city. Yeah. We didn't, yeah. uh, you know, but but hopefully it's it's uh, very effective uh, yeah. on a, on a you know another level, yeah. uh, and uh, you know we'll carry people over the whatever two weeks <laughs> until, <laughs> until the next one comes out. Yeah. Uh, you know, frighteningly too soon yeah. uh, from my scheduling point of view, but but not soon enough from people that want to roll into the rest wow. of the of the story. I know you guys are working hard, and we appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. I'm really enjoying Secret Empire. I think it's been great oh, so far. You. This was an excellent issue. You guys are doing tremendous work. So, well, Nick is, uh, you know, again for all that we, uh, you know, we grumble and moan. Nick is doing a, a, a really good job, job of yep. of mm-hmm. managing. The you know a cast of thousands mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know making and the sure art all this stuff uh, fits together. Uh, yeah. Well, that yeah, again that too is yeah. yeah we have we have one of the best ar- armies in comics yeah. <laughs> uh, drawing drawing this event. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, which yeah, is and they're working super hard. Yeah. 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 We're throwing a lot at them and they're still just turning an amazing work. So. Awesome. We'll have you guys back in uh, what would you say a couple weeks, Tom? I, I don't even think it'll be a couple. At this point. <laughs> yeah. I think it could, could be a couple days. Yes. Well, whatever. Very, it's very, to talk very to soon. Number five. Any any time now. I think it's next week. <laughs> yep. Number five. Cool. Thanks, guys. It's the West Coast. Show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Show me of the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Show me of the Wolfman. 
It's the West Coast, baby. Hello this week in Marvel Lights. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom and... This is editor Christine Den. And we're not going to do the weird Stromstein bit. What happened to the farewell tour? Yeah, because <laughs> uh, we've got a bunch of guests with us. Y'all, introduce yourselves. Y'all, I'm Danny Koo, <laughs> senior producer of Marvel Games. Howdy folks, <laughs> Tim Hernandez, director of game production, Marvel Games. And Becca McIntosh, operations manager, Marvel Games. And we're here to recap some of uh, what went down at E3 last week. It uh, feels so long ago already. It does. <laughs> wow. I thought it was it like, like the longest. Ago. It was the longest week. In, in it was the, the longest week, longest night, longest morning. <laughs> <laughs> but we had a blast. Yes, definitely. Definitely. We've seen a lot of cool stuff. We eat a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> Saw a lot of fans, saw them encounter our games for the first time. Yes, hands-on. I'm still blown away by that gigantic Lego Medusa that was given Dude, away. Dude, her hair was amazing. It was incredible. I'm very jealous of <laughs> I her. really I want to steal it. I don't know <laughs> what the giant Lego Medusa was. I'm still just blown away by the huge uh, fact that there was a Spider-Man on a helicopter oh, yeah. falling down. <laughs> What well, Spider-Man what? wasn't falling. Well, he, and he stopped the, the, the he helicopter was, was falling yeah. down. That helicopter was webbed up, sir. Yeah, the city was saved. But it was falling down before it was webbed up. So, sure. is my do point. we know what happened to the helicopter? You know, that's After a great question. Show. I don't know where that helicopter went. Oh, oh. most important, where, where did Spidey go? <laughs> you know, yeah. you gotta stay tuned for more information on Marvel Spider-Man. But it was a really <laughs> cool, historic E3 for Marvel games. It was super awesome to have three titles um, participating in E3, two in the Sony Media Showcase, and Marvel Spider-Man wrapping up that showcase in a spot of honor was just... Amusing as fans and then as part of the team that helps put the games out there. And, and yeah, and Spider-Man won multiple yeah. Game of Show awards. And cake. Guys, there was, there was there, a cake. There, there was a cake. A it's, cake. It's, it's, Wait, where was the cake? The cake... Wait, uh, why what? didn't anybody save me a piece of the cake? Well, there, were, there was no <laughs> silverware plate, so everyone was kind of eating it with their hands. So I don't know how <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't want that cake. <laughs> <laughs> I may have participated. Yeah. It was delicious. <laughs> I mean, for you guys, you know, you guys have been building up the Marvel Games brand for several years now. So what was it like to sort of be able to see such a huge presence there? You know, like, let's flash back to, like, five years ago. Like, Marvel Games didn't necessarily When none of us were here. When none (laughs) none of you were there. Yeah, well, not But many of... but but you guys were still involved in you know the games world and the games industry and to be able to build you up into something where Marvel Games is now a presence at E3 and yeah, it a actually, significant presence at things like you know like uh, uh, you guys mentioned the Sony press conference where we were sort of the you know crowning bit at the end. Yeah, I think I mean for speaking for myself, this is why we got into Marvel games in the first place. You know, no, building towards this promise, we knew we wanted to take the whole uh, approach to to gaming to the same level of quality that we've achieved on the on the movie side, on the television side, on the publishing side. I think it, we needed to do justice on the games a little bit, and so see this crowning moment at E3, and we know there's so much more after this. 
Uh, I think it's a kind of a wish fulfilled for us, but it comes with a lot of hard work, you know, not just in this room, but across the entire team with all our our collaborative partners uh, and studios and developers and, the other and publishers. Teams in Marvel. And the, of course, the other Thank teams you guys. in Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, lots of coffee getting sacrificed. Yes, lots of beans. <laughs> lots of yeah. beans gave their life, gave their lives for just, <laughs> just for beans. beans for this event. I mean, I think the most important thing, riffing up what Tim said, is we're all fans of Marvel games. Everyone on the Marvel games team, and when we sat in that showcase, um, we were all holding our breath both times any of our content was shown. Like I, I was sitting with twelve other people, and I'm pretty sure nobody breathed until the end um and we're just big fans of every single thing we do and we put our hearts into it and we hope that shows I yeah think it shows it's a pretty big deal for us right it's uh you know two games in the sony press conference and it's probably the largest marvel presence yeah. and those at, at games E3. we should say are not only marvel spider-man but marvel versus capcom Infinite. Infinite. yeah which i don't think we mentioned before but dude gamora showed up Dude, when Gamora show up, we, we have not even shown her Woo! gameplay yet. Look out, man. Oh, yeah. She's yes. incredible in game. Yes. As she should yeah. be. Thanos, watch out, Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Message from Danny Kuda, to Thanos. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, for each of you guys, what was... Because I feel like this is maybe the one of the biggest uh, E3s for Marvel games so far. So, for each of you guys, what was your own personal favorite moment of uh, the show this year? So my favorite moment is I would just randomly walk around the floor around like you know, Marvel vs. Capcom booth and you know all these professional players like just acting like a five-year-old all over again <laughs> actually enjoy playing the, the game for the first time and they, they, they come in with this feeling it's like oh no you know like the announcement that we made like in April about the game system change, like have them on edge. The moment they pick up and play, those are just completely disappear. And mm -hmm. they were thoroughly enjoying it and try to, you know, who did the most, uh, you know, stupid move on each other. <laughs> and there know. were a couple of machine hogs, man. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's a machine hug? Do hog. Where you like machine hug. Oh, machine hog. Okay. Accent here. <laughs> I thought I thought you said yeah. machine hug. Like they were hugging. They were hugging the, the machines too. They yeah. were Speaking of a hug, you know, like I've seen a lot of people try to sit on Ultron Sig yeah. Sigma's lap. I wanted to do that, but I wasn't allowed to go past. The rope. The rope. What is wrong with people? What is the draw of a supervillain that like destroyed the world? He won. I'm with, I'm with Becca here. Like, who wants to coddle up to like? Oh, butt. you're an evil dictator, <laughs> despot. Like, you, let you me just infect people with a virus. Like, no, I want to kick your butt. That's my throne. Get out. It sounds like an EDM song. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, your favorite moment. For me, it was, uh, and I was hanging a lot around the Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 booth. That's uh, the game that I'm working on currently, or one of the games I'm working on. Uh, so meeting the, uh, being there, meeting the, the team and working closely with them, but a lot of it's over, over email and conference mm -hmm. calls. and uh, So being face-to-face -face with them, but also experiencing players playing the game for the first time. At a certain point uh, on one of the days, the line to play was two hours long, and uh, seeing that excitement and enthusiasm for like, wow, we, you know, we, we kind of make the game um, in a little bit of a silo and we, we hope that the, the characters we're picking and the choices we're all making and all the work that goes into the, the level design and the story and just the whole nuts and bolts of, of the game 
we think it's going to work, but until we're actually there seeing people playing it and experiencing it, it's always a, a bit of a mystery. So hearing that uh, people were, were digging it and having a great time and, and laughing at the right moments mm-hmm. and having struggles at the right puzzles, um, <laughs> you know, that for me was, uh, was exciting to see. I think we need to do a fast pass for those two-hour read. It's because of Lockjaw, yeah. guys. Yeah, if that cute out. little Lego lock, Marvel's Lockjaw hadn't been in there, like, holy cow. Like, that's still Medusa. Well, that's still Medusa. I would wait in a three-hour line to play yeah. Lockjaw in that yeah. game. <laughs> wait, can you play as Lockjaw? You can. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was, was one of the big reveals. Yeah, we announced Medusa, Agent Venom, and Lockjaw at the show. And he's pretty he's awesome. I mean, you announced Lockjaw. Well, I guess all the characters in a Lego game you can play, but I did not put two and two together to realize that you can play as Lockjaw. And it's it was the a first e- isn't it? Lockjaw. Yeah. Hmm. And then Captain America Cowboy. Oh, yeah. 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 Cab. And he, he also had a, a I see, a mini, a giant minifigure yeah. statue, an oxymoron yeah. there, but an 18 inch minifigure statue built out of Lego bricks and he, he was pretty sweet what he also ha- revealed um, wasn't it Agent Venom Agent Venom yeah, yeah. yeah. who I love from the comics it was cool to see him in what happened yeah. he's what, never been in the what happened game. to those Legos oh I need to find out yeah <laughs> those were a lot of things from well, we know. we were like where are yeah. they yeah. Yeah. Somebody, all this somebody stuff won Medusa yeah, that somebody was a part won. of the like, they are problems. absolutely not sitting in the trunk of my car <laughs> <laughs> wait the maybe Mark knows about helicopter yeah Ultron Sigma took the helicopter. And the <laughs> They're gone, guys. But I know where Ultron Sigma is, so I guess I know where everything is. Oh. Danny has the, the keys to the The, the, the Triad has it. The Triad has it. The warehouse. <laughs> but, uh, all right, Becca, you've been described as the MVP of our E3. Yes. Without Becca, uh, what? Yeah. all the schedule is going to be it's what, crazy. What, what was your top moment? of the show. And don't uh, say the minute it ended where you could go to sleep. <laughs> Darn it. All right, my second favorite. No, um, I think Tim mentioned we work in a silo and we're always heads down and we, we get to work with these amazing um, collaborative partners that we have. What was really cool was at the end, but I'm not going to say sleep, at the end, walking around to everyone that was there from our team, from their team, from all the Marvel support that we had on, at site. Um, we got to high five and just be like, man, like, did you see how everyone reacted? And just feeling that energy and getting to high five them in person instead of high fiving my computer, wishing I could have like <laughs> physical contact. Um, that was really special to me. Do you normally like high five your computer? Like, how many computer screens have you broken? That's between high fiving. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just curious. Like it's between me and it. <laughs> um. No, I mean, I think, like I say, like, it's a really exciting thing to see, you know, I've been here for uh, more years than I'd like to admit, Um, but no, it's exciting to see you guys, you know, uh, Marvel games have such a huge, prominent presence in the show, and have such such a footprint on the show floor and everything, so congrats to all you guys. Uh, for all the hard work you've done in order to make that all happen. Thank well, it you. It wasn't just, just us. us no. Thank yeah. you. Well, well, thank you. We'll, we'll take, I give, we'll, we'll take I give, it. We'll take I give it. Danny, yeah. I give Danny 125% of the credit. <laughs> yes. That's Everyone what, else. That's, that's what I do. It's nice that you guys get to support Danny. <laughs> he, just want, he just wants the Sigma statue. He does. I, I, I think I know where it is. Yeah. I, I mean, it's at your desk. We, we have so much more to come, so we're so excited yes, so that much more. E3 2017 went off like it did. 
Um, just just keep your ears. So we yeah. can open. Oh, we'll see you guys at D23. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. We're going to D23. Which is like in three weeks. Yes. And yeah. What what can we what can we tease? What can we say for what you guys have coming? We to have five, five. We have five partners uh, going to have a booth presence. So be awesome. Uh, Marvel Games panel on yep. Saturday afternoon. I think it's one o'clock at D23. Uh, that's a. Uh, <sighs> That's, we are part of a That's right. Walt Disney Company <laughs> panels, but Marvel Games will be on a panel Saturday. Um, there's going to be some cool stuff to check out there, and of course the five booths that yeah. we'll have. Um, I'm going to bring some Marvel vs. Capcom poster. So if anyone can locate me, I'll give you one. He's really hard to find, guys. He's yes. not always wearing a hat. Wink, wink. And a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> hoodie and a hundred degree. And a Marvel hoodie. game shirt. Probably. Probably. Yeah. And his name is not always Danny Koo. No. Cannot just walk around. Please do not bring me chocolate chip cookies. What else would you, Danny? What else would you not like to be brought? Don't bring him a bowl of ramen. No, never. Oh no, better not. Because in fact, I just had ramen for lunch. Don't bring me another ramen. Don't you have ramen for lunch every day? If it's yes. up to me, if there's a ramen shop next to me, that will be every meal. <laughs> See? Right. All right. So don't bring Danny ramen or chocolate chip cookies. Uh, <laughs> definitely do not do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you you will get a uh, you get a poster. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and our, our partners that are there, guys, help yes. me out here. So, so we, we have, have Mars, Capcom Infinite, Marvel Future Fight, uh, Marvel Heroes Omega. We have Marvel Puzzle Quest and Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. Yes. So if you want to play any of those games or just say hi to the teams that you know worked on them and yeah. everyone should come. Them. You know, this is the first Marvel this is the first Marvel Games D twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Checking it off our bucket list, guys. <laughs> hey, Future Fight is gonna give out stuff. So come over. Get some. Especially if you bring too. them ramen. <laughs> don't bring them ramen. Oh, don't bring don't them ramen. I'm sorry. If you don't bring Danny ramen, Marvel Future Fight will give you stuff. stuff. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited for Puzzle Quest. Yeah. I miss my Puzzle Quest friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they. They. I think they're also going to be at San Diego Comic Con. So. They'll have two it's, chances. It's going to be a summer of Marvel games. Twenty three first. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So also uh, the evil. The fighting championship is happening at the same time during D23 as oh, well yeah. for those the, for those folks heading to Vegas that same weekend. In the middle of summer. In the middle of the summer. <laughs> when it's ready for those folks that are simultaneously at D23 <laughs> and, and in Las Vegas. Vegas. It's not a far drive between. Yes. Do you not bring do. me ramen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you play the Lego Lockjaw, Right? He could portal you back and forth between both. Just food for thought. Genius. Food for thought. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Anything else y'all want to mention? Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. (laughs) Pretty cool. (laughs) All right. Uh, Stay tuned, guys. Christina and I will be back in just a sec. Uh, Until then, say goodbye all the game folks. Bye, all the gaming folks. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Do not bring me cookies. Bye. (laughs) Christine, what do we have to talk about this week? This week, we shared um, 
Marvel's, I love, I love Marvel's Defenders. No, Marvel's Defenders debuted its uh, first big motion poster. picture, motion motion poster, yep, and poster. Yep. I get. I guess it's not technically our first poster. I guess we revealed the uh, that shot, that great shot of like their uh, boots. Oh yeah, the teaser one. Yeah, the teaser. But this is the first real look at all four of the defenders all together yeah. in once. And how they view themselves. Uh yes. Um, I like it. I like I like the shot of them all together. Uh, all, the four of them together because it sort of is them just giving attitude towards <laughs> the camera. Yeah. But I really like the Daredevil one. Daredevil one is great. I mean, all all of the individual ones are great, um, but there's just something about that group shot of them just sort of just like not them just being like, whatever, we're here. Yep. What do you want to make of it? <laughs> uh, that I greatly enjoy. Of course, Marvel's The Defenders uh, entire series hitting what August eighteenth. Yeah, um, on Netflix exclusively. On Netflix. Uh, also this week, uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was nominated for two Teen Choice Awards. Good call. It was um, for Choice TV Action Series, as well as Gabriel Luna for Choice um, Series ac- Action Series Actor. I would say go vote, but I think voting has maybe closed yes. by the time. Yeah, it ended yesterday for round like the first round. So there'll be more nominations to come for others. But um but for the action series, that's what happened one. And so congrats to the SHIELD team for being nominated. Very nice. Um what other, what other big news do we have this week? I think that was all the big news we can talk about for this week, right? Yeah. There'll we, be we'll more have some yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll have some stuff next week. Just we, keep your eyes peeled to got, our social handles. Yeah, we've got some we've got some big stuff cooking for next week that we cannot fully talk about just yet. Um, yeah, so just tune in bright and early Monday morning throughout the rest of the week. <laughs> do it. All right. What Christine said. Uh, where are we kicking to next, Christine? We're back kicking to New it York. back to New York for questions and comments. All right. Oh, so, and next week. We have our Twim URC, so don't forget to read part two of the X-Men Executioner's Tale. Executioner's oh, no. song? Yes. yes. Wow. Wow. It's wow. been a long three weeks. Oh. <laughs> All right, yes. Uh, like Christine said, we'll be talking with uh, Ben and Ryan next week about the Executioner song, the uh, second half of that, which is maybe one of the greatest single pieces of uh, comic art that has ever been uh, produced. So I highly recommend y'all uh, tune in and follow along. Um, I don't know. I think that's it. Yep. Say hi. Say hello to everyone in uh, New York for us. Except for Blake. Don't say hi, Blake. (laughs) Don't don't tell Blake I said hello. All right. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Uh, We will be talking to you again next next week.
All right, we're back. We're back. All right, time for this week of Marvel questions and comments. Again, reminder that Twim URC of Executioner Song Part 2 is next, next week. week. The long-awaited. Yes, so you still Very have time. Get your reading, get your questions, get your tweets, get your stuff in. Time for the questions this week, though. First one from Amanda. Ah, Francis on Twitter says, me while listening to this Week in Marvel podcast. It's four images. I love this. I yeah, saw this. I know you did. Four images of uh, it's SpongeBob saying, I don't need it. I don't need it. Uh, freaked out SpongeBob saying, I don't need it. Then uh, SpongeBob screaming, I need it. And then Amanda showing the comics that she bought because we convinced her to buy them all. Yeah. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah. Uh, Haywood HWV says his pick for uh, June 14th is Uncanny Avengers number 24, Jim Zub and company show how the Unity Squad is coping with the dark. Mm-hmm. Joshua Cooper, Commander Socket says, I did not expect to like Gabby and Deadpool together this much. Mm. Hashtag friendship is dope. Friendship is dope. Yeah. T-shirts coming someday. Maybe. Raph A.B. says, oh, this is a recent one. Seeing Chip Zdarsky and Dan Slott playing with Sphero Spider-Man is the best. And you're CC'd on that. I was. Also from Raph A.B., Captain Marvel number five. That would be Mighty Captain Marvel number five. It was an exceptional book as always, but I hope Carol gets to make Steve pay for his betrayal. <laughs> One more. Thanks to Dan Slott. We know how Secret Empire came to be because Cap has a cute butt. Do we know what that's in reference to? Uh, Something Dan did on Twitter? It might have, or, or during the live stream. Well, that's what I, I was know. wondering if it was during the live stream. Yeah. And then... Well, there's... Well, oh no, it's the image that's below. Oh, all right. Yeah. It's Just look at him. Isn't he gorgeous? Yes, ma'am, but he could also be an evil agent of Hydra. Well, if all Hydra agents have cute little butts like his, I say let him take over the world. Oh, that's from Dan Slott's She-Hulk run. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. Takes us a little while. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, there was a, here a reply to himself and us uh, with a picture of from Spider-Man Homecoming of yep. uh, Ned and Peter just looking over to the side like, hmm. And it says, Ryan and Ben, when getting all the 616 Marvel Day tweets. Yep. We didn't get that many. No, not, not that many bad. at all. It's great. We're doing a lot better. Y'all this, left us alone. Yeah, the scourge is almost eliminated. Yep. Robert, Captain Rogers number 44, says, Secret Empire number three was great, but as always, a gut punch every time. I think I see the old Steve coming out. It turns quickly. It quickly turns bad. Yeah. Another one from uh, the 616. Scott McElroy says, Dear Agent M and Ben J. Morse, we just know you love that 616 designation, so happy 616 Marvel Day from your friends at Horizon Labs. That's fine. Uh, Simon Williams says, After reading Squirrel Girl number 21, I'd love to see more team-ups between the guys. What should their team name be? Ooh, yeah. Mm. Uh, It would be great if there were... I w- my first insti- instinct instinct is fish and chips. Yeah, but Ooh. that doesn't really work because uh, there are no chips. There's no chips. But I like. How do you it. talk about brain drain? Yeah, like or maybe like brain drain circuits are the chips, the computer chips. Oh. So it could be fish and chips. Fish and chips and nuts. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. All right, we'll figure it out. We'll come. We'll. Tr- what are your guys' suggestions? Yeah, please for, share for with that us. team from uh, Squirrel Girl, Koi Boy, and uh, Chipmunk Hunk, and Brain Drain. Yeah, we we have a good one if it was just Koi Boy and Brain Drain. Yeah, that Chipmunk Hunk. Well, no, Chip, Chips. Oh it's my god! Perfect. It worked Fish on all levels. Yeah. There we go. Nice. We job. did it. We did it, guys. Fish and chips. Nice job. Uh, we just gotta pitch this to Ryan North mm-hmm. and Erica Henderson mm-hmm. and Will Moss. Anyway, uh, Ms. Marvel 19 was great, but kind of scary. The way things are going, it could be a glimpse into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's terrifying. 
Uh, Simon says, Defenders, number one, felt like the spiritual successor to Power Man Iron Fist, especially like the Luke Cage interview at the end. Yeah. I loved that Luke Cage interview at the end. I love when Bendis does like text pieces, text pieces in the universe. Yep. Uh, his oral history of the Avengers, I think that's what it's called, from like yep. a couple years ago. Yep. That was so good. Uh, love it. Uh, Simon's Twim of the Week for June 14th. The Crew, number three. I hope we get more scenes of T'Challa singing, though. Mm. <laughs> yes. Uh, he says, reading The Crew, number three, just waiting for Aurora and T'Challa to hook up again. It's coming, I know. Hey, who knows? Who knows? Could happen. Good. And he says, the writing and, the, and art in The Crew, number three, show the book would have been a hit if Marvel had given it half a chance. Hashtag still mad. Mm. Um, hopefully, we, this is not the last we see of them. Absolutely. Uh, and especially not those creators. Yeah. Uh, much more to come, I'm sure. All right. Hold on. What? I wanted to oh, read this. Oh, yeah, this we email. email. serious email. Yep. This email came in from, stop notification, Keith Reardigan uh, oh. emailed us, says, longtime listener, since before Blake was an intern, first time writer. I do remember this now. Right? You get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I do. It made it. me so happy because yeah. Blake was never an intern. Yeah. But if Blake is on this email thread too, he would have gotten it. He doesn't care. <sighs> he doesn't care about anything. Uh. <laughs> he's, he's just... He's just dead inside. Great. Well, anyway, I really like this email from Keith. Uh, it says, long-time listener since before Blake was an intern and first-time writer. So I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Stuff You Should Know, highly mm-hmm. recommended. I haven't listened to Stuff You Should Know in a while, but I used to. Okay. He says, uh, and realized that two of my worlds had collided in a fantastic way. Check this episode. It has World War II, secret Canadian training facility called Camp X, mm. Hydro Radio, what? WTF. I don't know. That sounds awesome. Do we think this was an inspiration for Stan? But Stan wouldn't have created um, the, like, Weapon X project. No, no, no. That was... uh, Barry Windsor Smith? Len Wein? I think Weapon X wasn't even introduced until Barry Windsor Smith did the Weapon X story. I think that was an aspect of the origin that was just not known. I don't know. I think it's Barry Windsor Smith. Could be an inspiration. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, super cool. So this is a, an episode of Stuff You Should Know. You all should check that out. Um, Keith also says, uh, all new info for me. Have you guys heard this stuff before? Just curious. New to us, yeah, but I definitely new. want to check out this episode. Yeah, sounds cool. Uh, Keith says, I'll be writing more. Hopefully just finished up rereading Executioner's Song yeah. for Twim URC. So oh, much get goodness. Your, get your comments in, man. Yes, Keith, let us know. Please. Uh, he says, thanks for the years of entertainment and keeping Blake off the streets. <laughs> Until Cap becomes a Nazi, make mine Marvel. Oh, wait. He's uh, not a Nazi. Not a Nazi, He's guys. Hydra. Hydra, it's different. But nice nice email. Good way to yeah, end the show. thanks, Keith. All right. So we'll be back next week with yeah. part two of Executioner's Song and so much more. So, so all the all the more all things. The more. Yes. All the more things. Meow, meow. Meow, meow. This is Marvel. Your Blink-182. Blink-182.